So do you want to meet my new my new uh, character? It's not a friend. Oh. It's a character that I can do. It's a character that I can oh, do the okay. voice of, which is unique. It is because we always have lots of like fun new friends stop yeah, by. Yeah, we the have time. a lot of a lot of opening guests, but not uh, a lot Just of Danny me impressions. Doing yeah, a, doing a wacky character. Yeah. So here's my character. Okay. Hey, Mr. Johnny Foreman, why you always gotta switch your feet? Uh, Oh. <laughs> Bada bing, what are you gonna do that for? This is the this is the number one Italian American switchfoot man. Oh. What do you think? Hey, Mr. Johnny Foreman, <laughs> why you always gotta switch your feet? Uh I think it's a little racist. <laughs> racist? You're saying a second generation Irish American who is me <laughs> can't do an Italian voice? Nope. Uh, I've seen those genealogy tests, and I'm pretty sure you don't have any Italian in you. I don't even remember what I had in my genealogy test. Wasn't I, like, part, like, uh, uh, Pomeranian or something? (laughs) Or I'm thinking of April's DNA test. We've been blowing up everyone and welcome to sadie hawkins pod hello i can hear you brushing your beard Dan. i'm brushing my beard no, i miss my beard <laughs> i miss my beard i know we all do the other day i ran a comb through my beard for the first time and there was since the since my jaw operation and my hair my my beard's a little longer but it's the first time i ran a comb through my beard and there was no fight there was no pull there was no tangles i was like it's, i miss the tangles in my beard <laughs> I just don't look right with it. Although, I have a lot of the motion of my upper lip back. You want to see? That's great. Oh, yep. Yeah, I can do duck lips now. I'm ready for some selfies. All right. Look at this. (laughs) This should have been my new character. Oh, everybody. Now I can see everything that's stuck in your braces, though. Yeah. Things get stuck on my braces even worse than before. Oh, no. Because I can't brush and clean in there. I can't use an electric toothbrush or a water pick. And the rubber bands are extra thick. Than they were before the surgery, so things really get stuck in there. Well, that's enough oral hygiene talk. What do we have for top of the show business? Reliant play, K. Reliant play. Reliant play, K to secret show. Reliant K came to see crit show. What did you say? <laughs> they played a secret show, right? They like. All right. Surprise. Well, since the last time we talked, they yeah. played Furnace Fest, and we have a report on that. So we'll get to that in a minute. Nice. And then they did a secret opening set for Switchfoot. Yeah. Somewhere. <laughs> In Tennessee. In Tennessee, okay. Yeah, we, and then if someone left a... Let me... I can get their name specifically. But the first place I heard about it was on the mildly active Sadie Hawkins group on Facebook. Oh, nice. I just don't do an, I, you know, every, I, I am so grateful to everyone who pops in there is like, Hey, look at this Reliant K thing I remembered or, uh, have or whatever. Or uh, what do you think of this? Cause I, as the moderator of that Facebook group, I'm not doing enough to keep engagement going. So we have some amazing members over there nice. on our Facebook group who are keeping things going. Ethan Hines said on September 28th, when this happened, currently at the Switchfoot show, at the Ryman in Nashville. 
the guys came out as surprise openers. I figured T-Sin would be here, but it was the whole group. So that was perfect timing. Awesome. Thank you, Reliant K, for the synergy of opening for Switchfoot right before we did this episode. <laughs> well, we have more top of the show business, but yeah, that was one thing. And then Furnace Fast, and we'll get to that voicemail in a minute. Um, was there anything else? And then, okay, here's the other thing. So two episodes ago now, maybe three, but I think it was two episodes ago, we had Serial Streams send us a voicemail talking about how there was uh, Logan, is Serial Streams' Christian name. And uh, sure, sure. <laughs> Logan said, you know, I have this, I had the vinyl of Mm-hmm, and the mix sounds a lot different. And we played the rip that he made from the vinyl, compared it to a rip of what's available on streaming. And I think we figured out the explanation for that. No one else like called up or left any messages about, do they have a different sounding mix of Be My Escape on... Mm-hmm. Did I say Be My Escape? I meant to say Be My Escape. I feel like I didn't say... You I was talking mm-hmm. about... Okay. Sorry, not the whole mix of the whole album, but the mix of the song Be My Escape. Okay. And maybe I said Be My Escape. I don't remember. That was 45 seconds ago. I don't remember. Honestly, I had kind of zoned out. So apologies <laughs> to you and Logan. So the explanation may be that there is a single mix mm, of okay. Be My Escape. Interesting. And that that is the mix that's on the vinyl but it's not the mix that's on streaming and on the cds so after the episode where where we last talked about logan's noticing that be my escape has a slightly different mix on the vinyl logan wrote back and said hey thanks for letting uh well this is a reply to some other thing um oh yeah when it was the dead horse episode logan said i've since noticed that this mix of this this vinyl version, I'm kind of uh, reemphasizing. I'm kind of rewriting the sentence because it's referencing other things as well. I ki- I've since then noticed that the version of "Be My Escape" on the vinyl is what's also used on the official music video, minus the shortened ending. So that would make sense. And then I think okay. I replied here. This email is so slippery. <laughs> it keeps like shooting back up to the top. Okay, that and I said okay, that makes sense. One of the theories. I mentioned on the podcast, maybe it's a single mix or a radio mix. If it's in the mix for the music video, then that makes it feel more likely to me. And then I said, I wonder, and I don't know this, if we got our hands on a CD single of Be My Escape, which it's not like there was a CD. I don't think there was a CD single released in stores. Right. Maybe internationally. And and of course, there had to have been CDs that were shipped to radio stations. But if we got our hands on one of those, would it be this different mix? So anyone out there who has a CD single of Be My Escape or has ever noticed that the mix on the vinyl is slightly different from the CDs, please let us know. Am I slightly... I'm I'm slightly whist- whistling. Do you notice I whistle? I whistle on my S sounds now? Uh, just a little bit. <laughs> I'm sure that it'll fix... Uh... In time. I'm going to sound like that was that Disney character. Uh, what The one from... Uh, who who has the whistle in their talk? In right. a, in a, uh, is it, It's not Rabbit. In Winnie the Pooh. Is it? Or maybe it's it a different rabbit? character. 
Well, it's that person who does all the Whatever. voices in a yeah, lot of yeah, Disney yeah. things. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Anyhow. We're not to that point yet where we're watching a lot of Disney yet with Cooper. He's not supposed to have screen time, but he really wants to look at screen. He'll turn his head and look at the screen. He will. I'm sure it's just the light. Jessica's, all her books say like, oh, their, their vision's not developed enough at three months and they can only see like this far in front of them i'm like he is constantly (laughs) looking around he follows us around the room with his eyes i don't know how do they know (laughs) they're not babies they're not reporting back but you know who is reporting back someone from furnace fest yes so dan dan bakaitis pod himself bjorn is calling to tell us about his experience seeing relying k at furnace fest Hey, Justin Dad, Bjorn, I'm back, and it was amazing. I, I, I sound uh, not that enthused, but genuinely, it, it was it was it was fantastic. Reliant, Reliant K seems to really know what songs the audience will like when they do live shows. Because uh, I mean, I, I found myself super excited about songs that I don't even listen to that often, like This Week the Trend. That song I was never too hyped about, but when they brought it out live, man, that was great. Uh, some funny things that happened. Uh, someone someone came up with some Frisbees, and uh, Teeson and Hoops both tossed them out. I think Tyson's went farther, but I wasn't checking. But were they playing frisbee golf? Oh, like in college kids. Like in college kids, they should have just stopped the show and played frisbee golf. In the you know, I don't know what frisbee golf is. Is that like where you throw a frisbee and you have to land close to a spot or something? Maybe like a pole or something. I <laughs> I've never we, really know what frisbee golf is. We didn't go to a traditional college uh, in the 90s or anything like that. So we didn't play hacky sack or have I've frisbee golf. I played hacky sack though. Oh, well, you're, you know, you're an old man. So anyone can play hacky sack. <laughs> I've seen a hacky sack in my life and I played with it, but I've never played frisbee golf. So they played that less than Jake song again. Uh, that, that was pretty cool. The crowd was huge. There were there were so many people there, and I, I finally uh, got some merch. Picked up one of the Square logo tees. Uh, so that was nice. Yeah, it was it was a it was a great show. Kind of interesting that it didn't play any uh, five score. I think it was it was mostly forget and mm-hmm, but it, it was it was a great set regardless. I think the crowd was really into it. I think I think I was probably more into it than most of the people around me because I don't know. Everyone seemed kind of tired. I, I was tired as well because uh, I was at Showbread earlier and that took a lot out of me. Okay, I'm, I'm running out of time, so I'm gonna call back in a second. Yeah, I agree. They have a way of getting you really hyped up, even if you're not like necessarily like super into the song that they're playing when you're when you're at home like i know that every time they play sahara i always get really into it even though it's not necessarily my favorite song you're a sellout i stick to my beliefs if i think a reliant case song blows and they play it live i boo i never said sahara blows it's a great song (laughs) it's just not necessarily one of my favorites 
Yeah, so when they played that Less Than Jake, when I heard they played the Less Than Jake song at the uh, at Furnace Fest, I was like, the Furnace Fest crowd is probably going to be a, a, a more um, historical show, like a more talked about and remembered show in the zeitgeist than the Ohio is for Lovers Festival, which I think a lot of people didn't even like know was happening. And Ohio is for Lovers is where they premiered that Less Than Jake song, and we got the footage from Allie so I was like I am not so I was like I went to YouTube immediately and I uploaded Allie's video and I'm sorry Allie I did I forgot to ask you for permission I'm just remembering this now but <laughs> I did credit her in the in the YouTube video and I said premiere of New Relying K song because I didn't want people at Furnace Fest to think that that was the premiere right like we come across in our YouTube deep dive all the time yeah Okay, I'm leaving a lot of long pauses, so, uh, yeah, edit, edit those out if you want, uh, but, um. I will, I edit, I fix up people's voicemails the same way I fix up our own speech. Like, if we have little pauses and stuff, I fix them up. So everyone out there right now, if you hadn't said something and if I didn't leave this in the edit, <laughs> no one would know, everyone would be like, Wow. Bjorn speaks so concisely when he's tired after a big long concert. Yeah, I was at Showbread earlier in the day. That, that was a great show too. I freaking love Showbread. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, I wanted to be close to the front for Reliant K, so I I sat through a Throwdown set, and I had no idea what to expect. But oh, that that was. I, I didn't enjoy that very much because <laughs> I mean, people, like, I, I I like a fair bit of moshing. You know, I was in the pit for showbread and whatnot, but I mean, the people people were like punching and kicking and doing cartwheels in the throwdown pit. So I was trying to stay far away from that while also trying to stay in the front so I get a good spot for line K. Yeah, like someone threw a beer at the stage during that show, and like people were, oh, it was crazy. Plus, it was thrash metal, so I couldn't even really get down with the music as much. But but could you get down with the sickness? <laughs> I've been walking around the house. I've been working on... Let me see if I can do it right now. Because <laughs> <clears throat> I'm actually... My mouth's in more pain tonight than it was all week. But I've been working on my... That wasn't good. But I swear, you know, the... It's you gotta. It's it's a muscle you have to stretch. The disturbed get down with the sickness. Wah-ah-ah. He's been doing this all throughout. We started watching the Fast and the Furious movies because <laughs> I had never seen them. Danny had only seen the first one, and Dan wanted to do a watch through. And I'm like, sure, why not? Something to put on in the evenings. <laughs> and he does that like every time. Every time something feels like it's about to be revealed, or something <laughs> is revealed, Danny or just goes, <laughs> or someone stands up in a heroic moment. I just want the sound cue. To, I want the needle drop to cut to disturbed. <laughs> Down with the sickness. I want there to be like, wah, that one wasn't good enough. But I want there to, I want that needle drop to happen in the movie, and then they start kicking each other, because that's what they, that's what you think in a Fast and Furious movie. You want the wah, into like a kick-ass action scene. The closest we got is in Tokyo Drift. They play a Kid Rock song. <laughs> But there's not as much new metal in the Fast and Furious movies as you think. 
they didn't like, you know, as much as like the original. As much as you'd think there would be. I don't know. I thought there would be more. It's probably because the first three movies were so intrinsically a part of early 2000s culture. Sure. And I never watched this. I never even saw the second and third one at the time. But they were so a part of like this particular 2000s culture and the music and everything. The soundtrack to the first one had hip hop and it had some new metal, but it wasn't the whole series I thought would like keep with the new metal. But no, the rest of the series, like once you get into the 2010s movies, like when they start basically becoming superheroes, the soundtrack is really just more like hip hop, pop, modern. It's not, they don't take the nostalgic tint. Like they drop in the nostalgia. Even though it's only supposed to have been like. So so much time passing between movies. Right. It's like the Alien movies where technically Sigourney Weaver's entire story from the first, from those four movies happens over a course of like a month or something. Oh, wow. Technically it happens over hundreds of years, but to her, because she keeps going into hibernation at the end of each movie, Mm. it's actually like one continuous sequence of confrontations with these aliens because she keeps going into hibernetic sleep or dying and waking up a clone so to her it's just like been a week of these aliens but they had those movies happen over the course of three decades so yeah the fast and furious movies the same way anyway i've been working on my oh damn it my thread i skipped my (laughs) thread it would have been great if i nailed it right there i swear I've been getting that one was okay. It didn't have the power, but I hit the syllables correctly. You know what my favorite scene in the first Fast and the Furious movie is? When Bride and Mia go to see Queen of the Damned on a date. (laughs) So yeah, after that, yeah, Ryan K played, and the first time seeing them, other than the time I saw the earthquakes open for All City. They, they've got they've got a really great stage presence, you know. Like all the members are kind of equally present up there. Yeah, and uh, I, I I I just I don't I don't even know what to say. It was it was a great show. They yeah, asked for the rest of Furnace Fest. Right after that, I was planning on seeing Anne Berlin and then MXPX because I really wanted to see MXPX, but my phone was dying and I needed to get an Uber. And I was, like, really worn out. So, unfortunately, I didn't get to see them. Uh, one second, I'm going to call back again. Well, that's okay, because uh, you can fly to Indonesia. They're doing a short oh, Indonesian wow. tour. Oh, wow. They just announced that, like, yesterday. So, uh, Well, thank you for that report, Buren. Yeah, well, he has two more voicemails. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I saw a little bit of Anne Berlin, but then I was, like, really wiped out. So, I decided to go back to my hotel. I mean, I'm I'm not too well versed in MSPX yet, but you know they they, they are they are a band I like, so I, I would have liked to see them, but unfortunately that didn't pan out. I I went to Furnace Fest alone, and it, that was that was great because I felt like I could really just like let loose and go as hard as I wanted to. And I I, I think I made the most of it. It, it was it was a great show all around. Um, see now. If you want to go far, no. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go as a team. That's what Bjorn had to decide, and he decided to go alone, so he went fast. And, and he if you want to go stay. furious, you go as a family. 
That's right. <laughs> yeah, and then on, on Sunday I went and saw the Insiders. That that was that was so much fun. That was that that was great. I love ska shows, dude. Yeah, Jess, did you know the Insiders got back together? I did not for this show. That's like, awesome. I think they were last together in 2013 or something, and they were one of your first experiences with ska. That's right. And I saw Goaty Hook right after them. They were great. Uh, and then I saw May, and I, I love May. But yeah, uh, Reliant K is great. I love him. What was the last episode? Uh, Give it to Love Nothing Left. I like that song. I think I, whenever it comes up, like I kind of want to skip it when it comes up in shuffle. But then if I don't, I end up really enjoying it. So I think I enjoy it more than I actually know I enjoy it. Uh, when, when when you guys were going over the TikToks for that song, I had a thought about, like, those, those influencers who, like, film themselves giving money to homeless people and stuff. And I, I thought, like, it would be really unfortunate if, if one of those influencers used that song as a background to that. But, yeah, that 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 would be really uh, – okay, I, I, I think that's it. That's a really good point. Like, make a music video set to Mr. Beast. <laughs> Giving until there's nothing <laughs> no, left. No, no. <laughs> like, blowing things up until there's nothing left of the atmosphere. <laughs> okay, this is the last one. So, yeah. I really enjoyed the show. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, okay, so I got, I got cut off last night. And that's all I got to say. Thanks for doing the podcast. Uh, and yeah. Talk to you guys later. Right. <laughs> well, thank you, Bjorn. Thank you for that report. Thank you. Thank you so much. We have three other voicemails from Bjorn. Do you want me to? I'm just kidding. From someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much, Bjorn, for calling up with uh, that report about Furnace Fest. Now we need anyone who's going to see when we were young. We got to know oh, that's right. how young are you going to be and call us up and let us know. Um, so if anyone's going to that, let us know. Uh, someone else called and then we'll get into it. We'll be talking about what everyone wants us to talk about. Guns. About the song Ammunition. We'll be talking about Switchfoot and Relying K. But here's one more voicemail. Hey, Dan and Jess. Um, glad to hear you back. Uh, this is James from Oklahoma again. I just listened to the Give Until There's Nothing Left to Give episode and um, just had a quick thought on the idea of is it to a girl, is it to God, or is it just to people encouraging them to give charitably or be more uh, humanitarian. And I think that it could be to God or and the humanitarian. I don't think he's just changing the meaning of the song based on that concert that he went to and this and it could even have the the, the pronouns capitalized like the lyrics show I think that could be right because going off of I'm driving and so I don't have it in front of me but it, uh, Matthew chapter 25 uh, somewhere in the 30s to 40 uh, verses I think um, where the king separates the sheep from the goat, I believe. And uh, anyway, he says to some people, he said, you fed me when I was clo- when I was naked, sorry, clothed me when I was naked, fed me when I was hungered, 
and um, gave me a drink when I was thirsty. And so you guys are awesome. And they said, when have I done that? And he said, well, even as you have done it unto the least of my brethren, you've done it unto me. And that concept, you give until there's nothing left to the people around you charitably. And by doing so, you also give to God. And um, and so in that sense, it could be to, to both. Uh, anyway, I during the absence, I listened to a couple other uh, episodes just kind of cherry-picked of my favorites because I haven't listened to them from the beginning. And I have a couple thoughts on uh, some of the other episodes. I'm going to call back and do those just because it's a completely separate thought. So uh, I'll call right back. Well, yeah, I definitely agree with that interpretation of the song. Uh, I don't think I said it as concisely, and I definitely didn't quote any Bible verses, so I appreciate that. But like when we were going through it last last episode, and I was dubious on having heard Tyson give that explanation of this is about being charitable and humanitarian and giving to other people until there's nothing left, having heard that description, but then reading through the lyrics... I was like, well, this second verse does not sound to me like he's singing to giving to other people. It seemed to me like, or the other way around. One of the verses sounded like he was singing to God. One of the verses to me, after having heard Tyson give that explanation on that YouTube video, sounded like he was singing to humanity. Right. So in that way, I could... Uh, James's notes on the song there make complete sense to me because I kind of had a feeling like maybe it switches back and forth. But what I didn't say and what I think James is getting at here is that those things are not mutually exclusive. To be singing about giving to others and to be giving to God, those things are not separate concepts. And I guess all I was getting at is that to the song meanings, his crowd and history... And that particular set of Reliant K fans that we see who just like can't cope with the idea that they aren't directly singing about praise and worship, like they wouldn't consider that it could be about humanitarian effort or humanitarian giving. They think it's got to be about giving in praise and worship to God. And that's what like all Reliant K songs are to song meanings group. But it's something else, and it's just as Christian, and it's just as beautiful. It's just, like, it's less about the self, and less about, like, giving yourself to God, but giving to others, and by—I'm completely rambling now, but whatever. You were going to say something? <laughs> I was just going to say that we have song, song meetings this week Uh-oh. for this original song. Oh, good. And the comment section is so refreshing compared to what we deal with on a weekly basis. Oh, wow. Because here is a Christian band where that's not the, like, argument is, is this about God or a girl or whatever? They th- This audience seems to be a bit more in tune with what the lyrics are, in fact, about. And uh, there's not a huge debate with what feels like a lot of animosity. Huh. Well, you know what? James said that his other voicemails are about other songs, so we can save those voicemails for next week. And we've already been here for a while, so why don't we get into it? This week, we're talking about Reliant K's newest song, their brand new song. It didn't come out this week because our schedule is, you know, behind now. But um, Reliant K covered Switchfoot's Ammunition for the special edition of the (laughs) Our Version of Beautiful Letdown. 
So, um, the way we do covers, we do, we're going to do this the same way we do any cover episode, whether it's a cover episode we've done in front of the paywall or all the K's for, K- for karaoke songs we've done on Patreon. We talk about the original song first, and then in the second half, we focus on Reliant K. We talk about Switchfoot, we talk about the original song, and we can dilly-dally back and forth if we need to, but let's talk about Switchfoot. So, Jessica, Switchfoot, your favorite band, (laughs) yours and my favorite band. Everyone who listens to this show is hoping when we run out of Reliant K songs that we're going to move on to Switchfoot's discography. And we have so much to say about Switchfoot's discography. We know it front to back. And what we don't know, we're ready. We know what once we get in there, we're ready to just deep dive into the deep facts and all those really deep songs that we've missed, right? Yes. No. <laughs> we're not going to poo-poo Switchfoot. I think we both no. really like Switchfoot. I will say, John Foreman's voice is so nostalgic for me, because even though I don't think I ever heard this song, like, at the time, I was a big fan of Walk to Remember, which features a few Switchfoot songs, so his voice takes me right back to being 15, unlike that Taylor Swift song, 15. mentioning Switchfoot, I wonder if talking about Switchfoot and saying, like, oh, I, I love to Walk to Remember... Is that like being a Grateful Dead fan and being like, I love Touch of Grey? Or being a Mighty Mighty Boston's fan and being like, oh yeah, Clueless. Remember their seed in Clueless? Right. <laughs> or do Switchwood fans, you know, you, you said that there's the song meanings group for Switchwood fans is a little bit more mature than the same group for Relying K. Are Switchwood fans a little bit more like, yeah, they they did have a bunch of their songs in Watch You Remember, and that was a wonderful thing for them. And if that's how you came to the band, or that's how you remember them most, that's good. Yeah, I don't I think know. Mandy Moore does a cover of one of those. Songs she does, and she. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, only hope. We'll talk. Well, we could talk about Watch You Remember because we have a little story about it. But let me talk a little <laughs> bit more about Switchfoot. So, I think we're we're just casual casual Switchfoot fans. It was never we've we've talked about what we would do after we run out of Reliant K songs and Switchfoot's just not on the table because it's one thing like there's no other band that Jessica and I can do this format for as fittingly as Reliant K because I have all this personal history of going to see Reliant K so much when Brian was in the band and our relationship has this thing about our meet our meet cute involves talking about Reliant K and me like telling Jessica oh yeah I talked to Matt Thiessen all the time which I did <laughs> up until I met you you had his email address I did but like we don't have that kind of history or deep love of the entire discography of another band for us that we could talk about another band week by week there are plenty of other artists that we love to listen to together but not in the way that it just felt natural to talk about Reliant K so we never really I mean, intend Danny could do this format with like any other co-host about any other band he listens to it's right. just I, I'm the problem yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what else do we do like we both love Green Day but like I mean I don't think you and me doing a Green Day song by song thing other I've people I've never even seen them live yeah, there you go and, like, I don't know, you like the Dead Milkmen, and I like the Dead Milkmen, but could we go song by song? And we might not know modern Dead Milkmen, although I think you don't have to, like, have seen, but this has just become the, 
what are the rules for doing a song by song podcast for a band? I don't think you need to be like the already. I don't think you need to prove your bona fides to do a song by song podcast for any band. Like if you just like the band, if you've never seen them live and you have like a 40 or 50% saturation rate with their material, I think that's good enough to start with doing a podcast because like we didn't we've learned more about Reliant K doing this podcast and now we kind of feel like we have this 100% saturation with their material like when we went to see the Amya tour last year you said to me like this is the first concert I've ever seen where I knew every song right. and you've seen other bands that you love like you saw Spice Girls you saw <laughs> You've seen Weezer. You've seen Lana Del Rey. Lana Del Rey. Well, it's but... not that I knew every. I mean, I've known every song at those other, at like all the other shows we've mentioned. But I knew the ins and outs of every, of song. every song. Whereas, like, I don't necessarily know the uh, <laughs> the uh, the the writing and such behind uh, when two become one or whatever. <laughs> so, anyway. I don't feel like we would need to be the biggest Switchfoot fans in the world to, to continue talking about Switchfoot music after we were in a Reliant K song. It's just like, we're only casual fans. And I've talked about, I compare my like my like of Switchfoot with my like of Jimmy Eat World. I really like Jimmy Eat World, but I don't know all their music. And so we're not going to poo-poo them today. We're not going to like <laughs> do no. a, the, the the Sadie Hawkins pod bus toss because I know a lot of you out there really love Switchfoot. And I'm sorry we're not like the most knowledgeable. Like I don't even know the names of the members of the band. Like I've talked to people like our, our follower Jacqueline, our listener Jacqueline about Switchfoot. And she'd mentioned something about Switchfoot. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. And she's like, oh, that's their drummer or something. I'm like, oh, okay. But anyway, we're going to learn a little bit about Switchfoot. So, Switchfoot. I know they're from California. <laughs> what do you think the name Switchfoot means? Uh, Let's does learn that, that have that to first. do with like skateboarding or snowboarding? Um, good question. Maybe surfing? I don't know if you if you call it that in surfing or if you do that there. Maybe. Oh yeah, cuz they're from San Diego, right? San Diego's a big surf town big skate town like a lot of that classic classic punk scene blink 182 uh uh drive like jehu uh <laughs> rocket from the crypt rocket from the crypts from san diego pod <laughs> and you are absolutely right jessica according to john Foreman, the name switchfoot comes from a surfing term we all love to surf. Now, I did know that about Switchfoot. I constantly, because I, you know, we follow them on the Instagram, and they're constantly surfing on their Instagram. John Foreman said, "We all love to surf and have been surfing our whole, uh, all our lives." So to us, the name made sense. To switch your feet means to take a new stance facing the opposite direction. It's about change and movement, a different way of approaching life and music. You could, now, this is Danny speaking here. It's almost like their their most their very popular song, Dare You to Move. I guess I they'd think... be called Goofy Foot if they were uh named after skateboarding or maybe snowboarding. Is it called Goofy and Snowboarding as well? Maybe. I've never been snowboarding. You've never been skiing. And you used to skateboard. Mm-hmm. You're a bigger skater than me. Alright, let's really get into it. So Switchfoot. <laughs> Switchfoot is a merry this is how we do our cover episodes. We start by reading the Wikipedia of the band that Reliant K covered. 
Switchfoot is an American rock band from San Diego, California. The band members are John Foreman, Tim Foreman, Chad Butler, and Jerome uh, Fontamilas. After early success in the Christian rock scene... They're Christian? Oh my god, really? Switchfoot, for, Switchfoot first gained mainstream recognition with their inclusion of four of their songs in the 2002 movie, A Walk to Remember. Yeah, this recognition led to their major label debut, The Beautiful Letdown. Now, is that true? That's what the Wikipedia opening paragraph is implying. Did they get signed? It led to. There, it, this Wikipedia article is implying that the reason they got signed to a major label for Beautiful Letdown is because of the popularity in A Walk to Remember. That could not be true, right? Because isn't Dare You to Move in A Walk to Remember? What are the Switchfoot songs that are in A Walk to Remember? Um, I have to remember. I haven't listened to that soundtrack in quite a while. Yeah, Dare You to Move, which is on Beautiful Letdown, is in this. So I don't... I feel like their major label... Maybe they'd already signed a development deal with the major labels and... They got their songs Learning in a walk breathe, to remember. Only hope. Yeah, I dare so you to move. the way Those that three. the Wikipedia opening article <laughs> states it, where they're like, a walk to remember led to their major label debut, implies that the movie helped get them the major label debut. Oh, and you. Sorry, I forgot you. But I think it's more likely that the movie that the movie soundtrack they were on you know, set the stage for, but did not, was not directly responsible for the beautiful letdown. Um, that album sold 2.6 million copies. They have since noted, been since noted for their F energetic live shows and their seventh studio album, Hello Hurricane received a Grammy award in 2011 for best rock or rap or gospel album. Now, now which one is it? awards do they have? Good question. I just want to know, since it won a Best Rock or Rap Gospel album, if uh, Hello Hurricane is a rock or a rap album. It's a rap rock album. Oh, okay. So I have... A, so Switchfoot... I have a, I, I've seen them a couple of times. And my biggest personal Switchfoot story is that I saw them and I have had a really hard time trying to track down the facts of this show. Because it was a really sort of off-the-radar show. And I haven't done the deep-dive digging. You know, I had one of these for Reliant K, and that was when they played at the uh, Boy Scout camp that I've talked about. And that's, like, not recorded anywhere on the internet. And then there were also those, like, pre-released mini-tour that they did for, mm-hmm, before Schneck joined the band, but Warren was now in the band. Those are also not easily found. Those aren't listed on Setlist FM and Songkick and stuff. But I did find the facts of those shows when I DM'd with John Warren that time. This Switchwood show was like a hundred people, but they were already like a known quantity. Like I think all their first three albums were out. I don't think um, Beautiful Letdown was out yet, or maybe they were just working on it like it could have been 2002 it could have been 2003 it was in rhode island and it was probably held by new sound concerts who put on soul fest up in new england and i think it was just like this semi-secret show that new sound posted they're like 
get your tickets now. It's in this tiny bar, all ages show in Rhode Island. And it was like Switchfoot had was just about to sign to a major label or something like that, you know, whatever the time frame was. And that was an amazing experience, even though I didn't know any of their music. And my friend Johnny, who was my like co Reliant K friend, the friend that I used to go to all of these Reliant K shows with in the first four years of the band uh, and constantly bug them and they would remember our names every time they come back through town. He was the bigger Switchfoot fan. He had all the Switchfoot CDs up to then. So all of my listening to the first three or four Switchfoot albums happened when he would bring those CDs in my car and we would drive to places. So the song we're talking about this week, I do feel a little bit of nostalgia for it because I recognize this song because I definitely never got to side B of a, of the beautiful letdown that often. I heard side A enough you know, quite a bit back when the album first came out. I never owned a Switchfoot album in my life. But when I heard Ammunition, knowing that this was the Reliant K song that they were going to cover, and I'm talking about weeks ago when this track list for this sort of tribute version of all these other bands covering Beautiful Letdown songs, when it was announced, I went and I listened to Ammunition, and I was like, oh, I know this song, and it felt really nostalgic, because it's only the fourth track on the album, so I'm like, I definitely heard this, since I only ever really heard the first half of the Beautiful Letdown driving around with my friend. That's my personal attachment (laughs) as little as it is to switchfoot and then of course switchfoot was the headliner at the uh 2016 searching for america tour is the name of their album we went to that tour just for relying k and the truth is would you like to tell everyone danny what what my personal experience with switchfoot is because outside of walk to remember uh, you know, I didn't really see a lot, like a ton of shows before Danny and I got together. And so once we were together, Danny definitely brought me into the whole, like going to like lots of shows and festival sort of culture and not once, but at least twice, possibly three times. <laughs> I've never actually seen Switchfoot, uh, from this beginning to end, not from beginning to end ever. I've seen maybe them perform one or two songs because, and we I always quote, go because the they always play after Reliant K. They're not going to play. I dare you to move until <laughs> the very end. So we might as well just go now because they're always at festivals. They're always headlining Reliant K's earlier in the day. And I'm talking back in 2008. So it'd be like, it's that guy. It's that thing that the dad does of saying like, "Ah, the game's almost over. Let's get to the car before the traffic fills up." Yeah. <laughs> and dad always made us leave before Switchfoot finished playing. Now, in the 2016 tour, we both admitted to each other that we were ex- exhausted. We had a long day. It was your birthday. We'd spent the whole day leading up to the concert doing stuff we really I was just, working that day <laughs> you had been working and then we had dinner and we were in downtown hollywood and we were doing all this stuff we saw relying k we were super excited switchfoot starts and we're like you know i'm tired you're tired <laughs> you ready to go <laughs> so truly it's a blasphemous thing for us to be talking about switchfoot well i mean we have a lot of listeners who think it's blasphemous we talk about relying k anyway but now we definitely are blasphemous for talking about Switchfoot. <laughs> Cooper. That bothers Cooper, Danny. 
They played in Thousand Oaks a couple years ago, and I was like, Jessica, they're like down the street. They're here in the valley. We don't have to drive over the hill. Do you want to go see them? It's when they did that like sort of nautical themed tour, whatever that one was, 2018 or something, maybe 2019. And you were like, no. No, you're going to buy these tickets and then you're going to make us leave early. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, no, we're going to see them specifically. Nope, I don't trust you. <laughs> so I don't know. It, 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 they're all like an alternative rock band. They're really good and they're fast driving. But I was just prone to not listening to sort of more alternative rock type bands by that point. And we actually just talked about it this week because we did our second pop punk that made me Patreon episode. And my th- my journey with music was like, I first discovered grunge and alternative rock. And I was like, this stuff's great. But then I discovered pop punk and ska. And I was like, oh, alternative and grunge suck. <laughs> and it wasn't like a total like, I hate this stuff. But it was more like, oh, I only liked alternative and grunge because I hadn't discovered punk yet. So once I discovered pop punk... I didn't really care for, like, just alternative rock bands anymore. So Switchfoot was just another alternative rock band to me. Reliant K was punk enough for me to, like, get into and enjoy. So there was that barrier for me enjoying Switchfoot. I'm sorry. It's okay. Do you have anything else to say about Switchfoot? Do you have any other stories? I was bummed the first one or two times that you did it, but then by the time we got to my my birthday show, I was like, he's not going to want to stay through this. And so I was like, it's fine, Dan. We can just go. Well, the next time Switchfoot <laughs> now it's comes just, through. Now it's just a joke. We can never watch a full Switchfoot show. <laughs> now we do it for the meme. I feel like we saw most of Switchfoot at RevGen, right? I don't I, think so. I mean, we were in the back. <laughs> I think we saw like two songs and you were like, all right. (laughs) Well, you have a lot of ammunition to explain why I've let you down. Not beautifully. (laughs) So why don't we talk about the specific song, Ammunition? What did you think of this song when you started listening to it? Did you listen to this before we started um, researching for this week's episode? No, I waited because I thought that you were also waiting. So I thought I was supposed right. to also wait. Well, so. <laughs> I kind of did. So when they announced, like I, like I said, when they announced that A Beautiful Letdown was being re-recorded and that a whole bunch of people were going to do covers of all the songs, I went back and that Reliant K was going to be involved. I went back and started listening to Beautiful Letdown from beginning to end a couple of times over the last month, like preparing for to like basically trying to force some nostalgia into me for this album, because I don't have a ton of nostalgia for this album, which I also think is like a good way that we get to view this. Cause like we have all this nostalgia for Reliant K and that of course, you know, flavors, alters, affects all our views on these songs. But on the Reliant K songs we talk about. But in this case, we don't have that nostalgia. We're coming from this from a much more, like, current, uh, subjective, objective, subjective, a more subjective place. But I did listen to the original recording of Beautiful Letdown a bunch before the Hour version came out, and then before Reliant K's version came out. But I did not listen to this song recorded by Reliant K until three days before we recorded this episode. Okay. <laughs> now everyone else was like, everyone we follow was like, oh my gosh, Reliant K finally has a new song. 
Reliant K is finally back. It's not that Fang song that has right. Reliant K tag. This right. is an actual Reliant K recorded or song. Or the MGK song where they just so happen to use <laughs> right. uh, the sort of the chord progression Escape, or yeah. the, the, the melody from Be My Escape. This is Reliant K's first real recording back. And everyone was excited. But I chose, I was like, if it was a brand new, like, fully written Reliant K song that's Reliant K's, I would listen to it right away. But I'm like, yeah. this is a cover. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until we get closer to doing the episode. So I did do that. What's your favorite ammunition? Mine is the one in the mall in Vice City. That one is fun. It's fun that you get to go in the mall. Because you don't get to go inside a lot of buildings. Certainly not in the PlayStation 2 era. That's true. Yep. That is true. Uh, I don't have... (laughs) I can't think of a favorite ammunition... I can picture that I can picture that mall from Vice City very well, but I can't really picture any other ones in particular. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Ammunition is the name of the gun store from the Grand Theft Autos series. Um, so when I first heard this, I wasn't like super floored because I wasn't familiar with the original song. So I actually listened to the Reliant K version first. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess it just wasn't what I was expecting necessarily because my only exposure really to Switchfoot are the four songs that are on the Walk to Remember soundtrack. So it just wasn't what I was expecting from Reliant K or Switchfoot, I guess. And then the more I've listened to it, the more I've really gotten into it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this song is a total bop. Yeah, like this feels like the most Switchfoot song to me. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, of course, Dairy to Move. And meant to live are like you know, <laughs> I know those are like those are big radio hits. Those even though we don't have a ton of nostalgia for the band Switchfoot overall, we have nostalgia for those two songs whether we want to or not because those are just played still today. We hear those Switchfoot songs on K Rock here in Los Angeles. Yeah, but like when I think of what's a Switchfoot song, yeah, I forgot about meant to live. That shows up a lot. Yeah, like like. Everywhere. Currently, yeah. yeah. I mean, Switchfoot, I think, more than Relying K is a band that you would be like, oh, Switchfoot does have more monthly listeners than Relying K. Switchfoot, I think, is a bigger success in the mainstream than Relying K. Relying K is a success in the mainstream, but Switchfoot more so. Like, Switchfoot... We, people... Some people may be surprised when they learn about that band, Relying K, that they liked 15 years ago was Christian the whole time. But many more people to this day probably don't know Switchfoot was a Christian band. Any more than like other sort of bands that they have heard and they like and they have on their playlist. People, most people listen to music and don't like know anything about the band. You know what I mean? People might know the name of the band and like the three songs they like, but they don't know anything about the band. That is how I listen to most music. Yeah. That is, and that is how most people listen to most music. So I think most people don't know Switchfoot is a Christian band. I would literally... Now, there's there's no way to quantify this, but I would bet money on this. If when we all get to heaven, I can ask God, did most people not know uh, Switchfoot was Christian? I would expect him to say, yes, I do not. I don't know. I feel like they do. But that's just me. I mean, all Switchfoot fans know Switchfoot is Christian. Maybe it's because they just sound super Christian to me. (laughs) (laughs) There is something about their chord progressions, but they also have a very 
signature sound. And that's what I'm getting at. Also sounds very Christian to me. And not just because he did the whole God thing in uh, Deathbed, because I never listened to that song. but Right. But um, Switchfoot has a signature sound. They have like a signature way of writing songs. And the signature, I don't know if it's chord progressions, if it's um, something about the melodies. Like, you know, Blink-182 has that one particular chord they use a lot. That's very much like their signature sound, the Blink-182 chord. I've actually seen it described on a technical level on Twitter. and Is I, that like the brown note? <laughs> that's exactly what it is. <laughs> but Switchfoot has that same thing where when you hear a Switchfoot guitar, it is a Switchfoot guitar. When you hear a Switchfoot chord progression, you know, I don't even know if I'm using chord progression. Right? When you hear a Switchfoot melody, it feels like a Switchfoot melody. So this song feels like quintessential Switchfoot to me. In the best possible way, it's like you asked an AI, write a Switchfoot song, and this became the song. But I mean that in a complimentary way of like, this feels like a Switchfoot song to me. Okay. I do think, however, Reliant K's version is way better. <laughs> you might be a little biased. I'm a little biased. But they threw I... some Blink-like drums in there. A little bit. They did. Relying K, you know, they add the piano, they add the double time uh, drums at the end, but they also add the, when there's the, the slow pretty part in the middle, that part feels very post Blink-182 pop punk. Like the slow pretty part, and I always refer to it that way because that's what Mark Hoppus says in the T- Mark, Tom, and Travis show live album when they're playing What's My Age Again and the slow pretty part comes up and he just goes, it's the slow pretty part. That's a very particular pop punk thing that happened with a lot of songs. And somehow they take this like slowed down breakdowny part of this song and Relying K add that feeling to it. They make it into a pop punk slowed down pretty part. Then you add the the, the piano I mean, the piano might be in the whole song, but it really stands out in the second half of the song. And that just, it adds this like deep, deeper feeling to the music that it just resonates like in my chest, as opposed to, I don't know, the Switchfoot song just kind of like gets me bob in my head, but somehow the Reliant K version that they do gets me in here in the chest. And then that double time drum at the end. Gets you in the feels. Yeah, it gets me in the feels. (laughs) Well, I'm not even talking about like the emotional feels, but like makes me feel welled up. Like somehow that like, piano just sounds so pretty it just like fills in everything and the double time drums really transform that second half of the song but that's not really a punk beat and it's the same problem i have with local construction the the fast beat of local construction is not the proper punk drum it's just an extra fast drum (laughs) there is a difference and i don't know it i can't describe it well, but maybe they're not trying to do the punk thing. I know they're not, but they're just speeding it up. So I, I just personally wouldn't call the second half of what Reliant K does. I wouldn't call that a punk beat added to it. They're just increasing the tempo. They're just double timing the drum. All right. So what else do you like more about the Reliant K version? Um, uh, I don't you know. like that they made it like almost two minutes longer? <laughs> I do. <laughs> This song, you know, when I... That was one of the things that I preferred about the Switchfoot version. (laughs) Let's keep things nice and tight, guys. Yeah. I don't have any notes on the differences between 
Switchfoot's original version and the R version. And I have listened to both versions of The Beautiful Letdown from front to back once or twice in the last couple months. By which I mean I listened to The Beautiful Letdown twice from beginning to end in the last month, the original mix, the original recording. And I listened to the re-record once from beginning to end. I don't have any notes on the differences between those. And I tried listening to them back and forth. I will say it's like funny that Switchfoot did an our version thing have any other artists done the very specific parenthetical our version thing since taylor has done this i know that she gets a lot of credits right now as if she invented this concept which she absolutely did not like i watch the legal eagle youtube channel i really like his videos he does some really great commentary on current legal issues and takes like pop culture things and dissects like the use of the law in movies and television and points out when they're realistic or not. But when he did his YouTube video on Taylor Swift re-recording her thing, he's like, she's reinvented the game. And I'm like, Real Big Fish did this <laughs> years ago. Real Big Fish did this 10 years ago. I get it. Taylor Swift... She loses the, the the rights or she loses the control to her original masters to Scooter Braun. So she, and then they try to they try they hold her over a barrel to get them back. So she says, screw you. And she goes and she starts re-recording every one of her albums in a version that she controls. And she has this deeply devoted fan base who will pay attention to the fact that you are only supposed to stream the Taylor's version because you do not want to put money in Scooter Braun's company's pocket. So, yeah, that's a big deal for a such a massive artist to do something like this. But it has happened before, right? It, artists have re-recorded their music throughout history almost to reclaim some rights to it or to have a version that the the master recording of it is entirely theirs where they have lost the rights to the master recording of their most popular version of their song. But what Switchfoot did here was very much about like post Taylor Swift. They re-recorded the album and then parenthetical they added our version. Just like Taylor's version. And that feels very deliberate to me. And then they got one of her ex-boyfriends to do a song on that album. Oh, did they? Joe Jonas. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I won't even go down that whole rabbit hole of all that stuff that's going on right now. But yes, continue. (laughs) Gotcha. So, and I end up having a conversation with, with Daniel and some other people in the Relying K Discord about this. But I'm like, you don't in 2023 re-record an album and say our version without making it very clear we are doing this for the same reason that taylor swift did her thing now there are fans out there music fans music listeners who don't know why taylor swift is re-recording her albums they think she's doing it just for laughs and giggles (laughs) i guess i gotta bleep that just doing it's true because this kicked out a conversation that I saw when Reliant K announced they were doing the MXPX show, someone was like, Dear Reliant K, please re-record your early albums just like Taylor Swift has been doing. 
And Daniel, you can see my socks, replied on Facebook. I saw him. He's like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> and my thing was like, why would they? And this does not bear on like them re-recording. Because we all heard what happened with Sadie Hawkins' dance and nobody well, wants that. That's what I was about to say. Sometimes a band will re-record like one song for fun, for an anniversary. But it's a different thing to re-record your entire album. Reliant K has no reason to re-record their entire discography or their early albums because they are still on amazing terms with the people who control their masters. As far as I understand, they're still on great terms with Goatee Records. And I don't know what other corporations or whatever own their masters, but it seems to me like if Reliant K wants to release a special edition of their first three albums, that they can do it. That they can get it done. Now, what happened with Switchfoot apparently is they were ready to record a, they were ready to release a 20th anniversary version of the Beautiful Letdown, but they couldn't get the ball rolling because it's owned by whatever record label. It's not, it's not Capital. Like Capital is who works with Reliant K and Goatee Records is who works with Reliant K. Are you looking it up for me? Yeah. So they couldn't get the ball rolling. Sony, I think, right? We'll find out in a second. They couldn't get the ball rolling with doing a big 20th anniversary of their biggest record because the major conglomerate that had the rights to it basically like kind of wasn't answering their calls or at least wasn't making them a priority. So they re-recorded the album because they're like, this is how we'll celebrate our 20th album. Columbia Sony. Columbia Sony. It's funny because when in the early days of this podcast, when I meant to say capital, I was constantly... Noun swapping, uh, noun swapping it with Columbia, which is a Danny thing. I constantly noun swap for no reason. My brain just does that. So that's my understanding of why Switchfoot re-recorded this whole album is because they wanted to do a 20th anniversary of their biggest album, and and Columbia was just not getting the ball rolling for them. So they said, well, what we can do is just re-record the whole album and get all our friends to do one version each of each song on the album. We can have them do that. And then they call it our version because that seems to me to be sending a political statement of nowadays to say, we did this for the similar reasons that Taylor did it. Now, Taylor is saying, fuck you to Scooter Braun by putting Taylor's version on all her things. I don't think Switchfoot is saying, fuck you (laughs) to Columbia Records because they are still their record company for this record and whichever other ones they might have on this record label, on this record company. So they're not saying fuck you. They're just like, hey, we're going to do this because you guys weren't helping us get our 20th anniversary done. Right? That seems to be what it is to me. They put our version on it, which right. just seems like a thing to me. So I don't have any comment on... I had a lot of comments on why I think they did this, but I don't have a lot of comment on uh, which one's better, which one's worse. Now, had as as a as a recent Swifty, Jess, as a yes. recent Swifty, as a, casual, a recently as ca- a, casual as a casual Swifty. Now, in the past, you were like Taylor Swift sucks. <laughs> yeah. You liked uh, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet that song back when we were just getting married or just after we were married. But then it was you. You proposed around the same time that that song came out, and so it, you like that was song. Just, I like that song because it was cute. But. You fell on the Katy Perry side of the feud, which is true. And before we knew... No, no, no. Not in the fact that there was any sort of a feud, just like I liked Katy Perry more. Right. 
And it's not in any way related to who she might have dated and connected to this podcast. It was just a coincidence. But for the first 10 years of our marriage, you were like, this is a no Taylor Swift house. And then suddenly she switched sides. Suddenly out of nowhere, like one of those movies where you find out your spouse is a Russian spy. She was lying to me the whole time. She starts listening to folklore like every single day. And now she's excited about the Taylor's version of 1989. I'm like, well, now, I re- actually, no, I've completely switched on that. And I'm sad that I already pre-ordered it because now I want to <laughs> boycott it because I'm sick of this PR nonsense. I'm done with like this stupid football tie in. If you think that's not PR, you're inc- incredibly incorrect. Like, no, the whole thing is stupid. Well, that's a very recent development. Yeah. But I, I just think it's I'm funny. I'm so how- done. I'm like, do I want to cancel my Eras Tour tickets for the movie? <laughs> Because I'm so over it, like yeah, I can't. The first coming up, if she keeps the if she keeps the date, the very first time Jessica will spend more than five minutes apart from Cooper will be for her to go alone to see the Eras movie while I stay home with with him. Yeah, but we'll see if that happens. I just think it's funny how we were a no Taylor Swift house. You switch sides, and you switch sides so hard that you were like for the recent. Taylor's versions I'm like no it's because well the thing is is that I enjoyed it because I had listened to a few songs off of Fearless when that was like the album of the time and then I started listening to I had a friend who was like hey you should start you should listen to Folklore because you love Lana Del Rey (laughs) and it's like Taylor Swift doing Lana Del Rey and I was like okay I need to check this out it in no way is that by the way in no way is it that but she hooked me (laughs) And I really enjoyed it. So I was like, okay, she's going to go back and re-release this album or whatever. And maybe it'll sound more like folklore. So I actually liked it because I think that her mature voice is, that's more preferable to me than her younger voice. So like, yeah, I enjoy listening to her older albums that she's gone back and done now with a more mature sound. (sighs) If you say so. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just think it's funny that you're excited. You were, at one point, excited about the 1989 Taylor's version. Because I literally remember when 1989 came out in real, you know, originally. And you couldn't have cared less. You hated it so much. And now you're like, oh, but that's the no, Taylor's version. I listened version. to the Shake It Off song. I did listen to that when it was on the radio at the time. I was like, yeah, this is a bop. Well, I'm going to shake it off. I'm going to shake it off. I wish you would. <laughs> <laughs> so that we could keep talking about this song. So did Tyson like strip his vocals doing the like kind of shouty part or was that Dave? Oh my gosh. Good question. Good question. I would need to put on big headphones and really pay attention as you're listening yeah, to that. Yeah, I, I can't don't think tell. I can. I'm not going to be able to put it on the desk Blu-ray, uh, Bluetooth and hear that and really concentrate on that. But that's a really good question. For now, I'm going to say it was Dave just based on reliant k history and how they've recorded things before Hmm. i would also be interested to know what exactly was the time we have a lot of information about like we have the you know there's reliant k releasing a video in conjunction with the release of this album uh of like well we're celebrating switchfoot and here's why we love this song that we covered and there are articles all over the place about switchfoot saying this is why we did this and articles from every artist one republic and 
the guys from 21 Pilots and the Jonas Brothers, there's quotes from everybody saying what they, why they love this album and why they love these songs. But I want to know the time frame for when did Reliant K get the call? Especially because we started this podcast when Reliant K was in hibernation, right? And when they were possibly going to come back to do the Forget and Not Slow Down 20th Anniversary Tour, and that got sidelined by COVID, And we right? know around about when they were recording this, because... Right. They were posting on social media, Dark Horse Studios suddenly had a picture of Hoops's stuff there. So right. everyone was abuzz who were paying attention, and we weren't paying attention. People sent that to us and was like, look, they are recording something. And then if the rumor mill, the Discord was going, it's like, well, whatever they're recording, it's a cover of some kind. So it happened this summer. The recording happened this summer. It, it was a quick turnaround for record and release. Even if the social media posts were maybe delayed a little, it was a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, and according to Reddit, there, it's rumored that they actually recorded a second cover as well. Oh, okay. I mean, they were in the studio, you, you right? You okay there, April? She just <laughs> bumped into your They Might Be Giants book. You, you okay? My They Might Be Giants book, called Book, is just sitting on the ground right now. I've never it's unwrapped it. It's propped up against our hutch. Yes. But I would like to know, when did Reliant K get the call from Switchfoot? So they, you know, they toured last year, March. The, the Um Yeah tour seemed to have come together pretty quickly. Did they get, uh, they probably got the call sometime after that. But when exactly? I'm just curious to know when what that time frame was for their decision to get this going. Um, so we will take our break. This will be an extra long episode. It's a celebration of two of our favorite bands. Three of our favorite artists, really. That's this right. episode has been about Switchfoot, one of our favorites. Taylor Swift, one of my absolute favorites. And Reliant K. So there's a lot to talk about. We're probably going to be a two-hour episode. Let's take our break. We'll come back, talk about the lyrics, and then we'll do our deep dive. And we're back, and we actually have TikToks for real this for week. For real, real. For real, real. I previewed them. You didn't do a text search in TikTok for Dare You to Move. You did a sound I, I did. I did now, it Jessica in the app. is learning more and more about TikTok. She tells me about things on TikTok. She started a cinema cataclysm on TikTok, and it's, like, blown up in, like, just a matter of days. Oh. Go check out Cinema Cataclysm on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I just have like a couple posts there, but they've gotten a lot of views, so that was exciting. It's not even original work. Of right. course it's not. It's, it's just, just fun stuff that I find Halloween around. Halloween stuff she finds, yeah. Okay. And other like VHS stuff, things we like. Here we go. This is from Lamb2K2. And it says, we could only dream with an arrow. And then you scroll over to the picture and then it shows the like meme of the, the, the hand blurred turning the volume, the volume up yeah. to 10. And then the dude the, with his hand in the air all excited that's also got a motion blur. Yep. And uh, then it has this the, the, the picture of them listening to this on oh, Spotify. Oh, so they're just excited about the song. Yep. I don't know. What, now, I didn't haven't used TikTok enough, but when did TikTok just become Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> just right. like just upload some pictures that you can swipe. Oh, well, I don't know. I just idea. assumed it was always like this. <laughs> no, I think that's a newer thing because TikTok was always just the videos, and this is kind of a video, but just swipe it like Instagram. All right, and the next Instagram's one is trying to... to be like TikTok. TikTok's trying to be like Instagram. Why don't they just marry each other? <laughs> uh, the next one's definitely something to listen to. It's such a beautiful day outside. Let's go do something fun. We are doing something. This is fun. Ben V. Get a cup of coffee and go straight back home. 
You can still have your coffee, but I'm going to plan something fun with our friends. I already have plans to binge watch anime, play video games, and then go to bed. <laughs> you mean you don't want to go out at all? Sure. I love his Avenged Sevenfold like, shirt. Like the car wash. But there won't be yeah. anyone there at night. Yes, exactly. My favorite time to go. Come on, we have work tomorrow. Yes, at work. Well, you will get to do all of your socializing. This is like the uh, the, the classic Pixar short of the old man that plays chess with himself. <laughs> Get completely burned out from it, and then I'll have to take over to help us recover from Or, or Gollum talking to Smeagol. Also, how long can you make a TikTok for? Because these, uh, some of these that come up just keep going Apparently and going Apparently they can be really going. long. Yeah. You know what I heard about? I heard about that Mean Girls was released on Mean Girls Day, which just happened, you know, October yeah, 3rd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was released in its entirety... In parts, but in its entirety on TikTok. And I think like seven minute parts. So maybe seven minutes or maybe with 17. I can't remember. That wonderful experience. It's such a beautiful day. And that just started over. Okay, that's fun. Oh, so there's just the two TikToks. Just those two. Well, let's real quick check out. I mean, this song's new. You got plenty of time to go and uh, and get your TikTok on. Yeah, but what what Switchfoot songs are uh, out there? What TikToks are out there for Switchfoot's? ammunition barely any <laughs> oh wait no meant to live has uh 1300 wow 1300 i'd be kind of afraid to and please don't get that on my tiktok oh. algorithm of what <laughs> ammunition pulls up it's funny you say that because i won't play it but i'll talk about it when i back uh, when i get there again somebody put together i'd have to see it to really know someone put together basically like a the world is crazy after 9-11, like, oh, music no. video set to Switchfoot's original ammunition. Oh, no. Yes, I, that's like literally, I don't know if you could hear what he said there. Dylan Amos, 2022... Uh, he po- he's just talking to the camera in his car. I guess that's what you do with Switchfoot-related TikToks. You just talk to the camera in your car. And he just said, if you couldn't hear it, are there any other atheists or agnostics out there who will still jam out to some early 2000s Christian rock? The answer is yes, because that's all I ever see on social media <laughs> is people like, like, I don't know if they feel guilty or they're just reveling in it or they think it's hilarious, but everybody likes to talk about how they aren't Christian anymore, but they still love their Christian rock. Like, we've been seeing it consistently since we started this podcast. I mean, it's that's that's because they're great songs. It's because they're great songs, and and the meaning is able to mean whatever. Nobody is going around singing uh, uh, supertone songs when they're an atheist <laughs> or an agnostic. You know what I mean? Like songs that are really, really clearly Christian songs that are like, "I am filled with sin and." And uh, abortion is wrong. Like no, no agnostics and atheists 
are doing that. But you can rock out to some Switchfoot and some Reliant K because they are meant to be enjoyed by all. That's what music. That's what well written music. And I love some supertones. I love the music, but like obviously I don't stand by a lot of the lyrics. Still. Um, well, speaking of song meanings, we talked about it with Ethan Luck on the show. We did. Hi-Fi Revival is musically an outstanding album. I realize that though we do have song meanings, we were supposed to go through the lyrics. So why don't oh, we do yeah. that? Because there are some annotations. Okay. Well, I've got those up right here. Switchfoot. Ammunition. Blame it on what you've been through. Blame it on what you're into. Now, I think my first impression, and I have never lit read the lyrics of this song. I've only listened to it uh, and paid attention to the lyrics in the last month and really in the last couple days. But I have a feeling that the themes of this song should be pretty easily digested no matter what your belief or whatever your thoughts on God, religion, faith, any of that is. It seems like even though they're going to be coming at it from a particular faith view, that it's this is going to be kind of a pragmatic approach to some concepts. Blame it on what you've been through. Blame it on what you're into. Blame it on your religions. Blame it on politicians. We've been blowing up. We're the issue. It's our condition. We've been blowing up. We're the issue. Our detonation. Our detonation. Uh, We've Been Blowing Up is annotated, and it says, The main theme of the song is about the brokenness of humanity. We are not right. The world is not right, and we have only ourselves to blame. This is taken by Switchfoot being a... This is taken by Switchfoot to be a spiritual battle for each of us. You can call the sides whatever you want. Heaven, hell, good, evil. But in this battle... We are compared to bombs and ammunition. The insinuation that we are being used by evil to destroy things, and in the end it's our own fault. We are the means of the destruction, the fuse, and the cause of the destruction itself, the ammunition. I definitely got that. Like, he's like, we're the fuse and the ammunition. It's like, we're not, we're both. We're, 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 we're doing it to ourselves. Just like Radiohead said, you do it to yourself, just you. This could also be called our sinful nature. Now, this annotation is very Christian-minded, um, and that's fine. I mean, that's the point of view that the song is coming from. But I would also say, like, you know, I would just add to this um, that we are the we are not right. The, the annotator says we are not right. The world is not right. And we only have ourselves to blame. Uh, as long as that we includes all of us, including the, including Christians, including the church. Because I do see online consistently with annotations and song meanings that it's an us versus them thing. With the Christian communities versus the world. When they say it's the world, it's like a capital W world. Like those people, that world outside this church is lost. And they need us, the church, which is the way the faith works. That's fine. But I just think it seemed to me when I was listening to this song that that is not, you know, even though John Foreman is saying here the world needs faith, 
He's not saying we, the Christian church, have it right either. We are all the fuse and the ammunition. And I'm actually trying to be as like reasonable about this from all sides. Like I'm not trying to just say, oh, this song is the Christian church is wrong. I'm trying to say like he's pointing the finger in and he is someone that believes in Christ. So he's pointing the finger in. And if you're a Christian and you see hear this song, you better be pointing the finger in as well. You better admit that you are part of the world. Which is something we, we talk, have this discussion a lot with Reliant K songs as well. Right. There's also at the very bottom, uh, as uh, there's a, a section which we've never come across in <laughs> Reliant K dives, but it says, what have artists said about the song? And it says, Einstein said, without belief in the inner harmony of the world, there would be no science. Maybe. I say without the dissonance of our modern age, there would be no rock and roll. There lies the tension between the harmony and the dissonance. We're the problem. We're the issue. This is a tune that feels really great to play live. Step on a distortion pedal and scream about the dissonance. John Foreman in a 2015 interview with Thought Co. Interesting. Um, there's, there's another lyric I really like here. And I don't know exactly what he means by it, but I definitely feel these words. I have no generation. Show me my motivation. One world, one desperation, one hope, and one salvation. The phrase, I have no generation, can mean a couple of different things. It's possible here that he means like he sees the other people of his age and he thinks that their values do not match with his values. That could be an interpretation of it. But when I think of the phrase, I have no generation, it's really just like, you know, I don't feel, I have never felt in tune with other people my age. Maybe a little bit more now that we're all kind of even keeling out. But even now when I see like the, like the, I don't know, like I guess as I'm getting into fatherhood and I'm seeing like posts about fatherhood, I'm like, oh, I'm actually, I get that now. I get that one. And there's a, there's a whole generation of people out there my age experiencing fatherhood. And it seems like we're all experiencing it in the same way. But when I saw my generation in both the church, both the Christians, the youth group, and the rest of, and people who were not in the, I don't want to segregate them out, but people who were not in the Christian church and not in the youth groups, I never felt a part of any of those. So I always felt like, I didn't have a generation. And then sometimes when I see like the cliches of the millennials and the cliches of Gen X, I'm like, I don't feel like I'm any of these. You know what I mean? Like I always felt like I was so glad when the phrase X ennial came up. I was especially because like as the talk about millennials and like millennials are ruining this industry and millennials are ruining that industry and millennials have ruined this industry. I'm like, we don't need those industries. They're not spending money on those industries because we don't need those industries anymore. And if you boomer uh, newspapers are really upset about that, why don't you go spend more of your money on those industries? But like when, you know, the degradation of millennials would happen in the early 2010s, like the jokes against them, like still living with your parents and all that stuff. I was like, I felt like, of course, I felt like a lot of that's bullshit. But I was like, also like, I don't feel like I feel like I'm I don't feel like I'm the person you're talking about when you talk about millennials I've always felt a part outside of my generation is what I'm trying to say 
Uh, how do you feel about your generation, Jessica? Do you feel like a millennial? I feel like I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness. Starving hysterical. Exactly. That is my favorite day my vagina song. <laughs> that is uh, actually, I feel like very much in. like a millennial. I'm like right smack dab in the middle yeah. of the generation of millennial. And yeah, I definitely am like, yeah, it's me. And in the bridge, look at what, and there's no annotation on this when there absolutely should be. Look at what a mess we've made of love. Look at what a mess we've made of love. Look at what a mess we've made. We've got ourselves to blame. Look what a bomb we've made of love. Like, look what a mess we've made of love. He didn't say, look at how much we've ignored love or look at how much the world doesn't care about love. He said, look at what a mess we have made of love. Who's the we and who is supposed to be using love in the right ways the church and the followers and the faithful the faithful who are washing the feet and not washing the egg off of christ's face that they're putting there to quote a particular reliant k song so i do think i'm not trying to make this like a thing (laughs) of course i am but i'm not trying to make this a thing of just like uh progressive or deconstructionist any of that stuff but like it clearly seems to me like he's pointing He's laying blame evenly in this song. And, you know, nowadays when that is such a radical thing to do and as people are, like, getting more upset when, like, they learn just how the Christian bands that they always have enjoyed have certain beliefs in their faith that they don't share. And they're like, how could this be true? I'm like, look at this song. Look at Ammunition. The answers are there for the way that Switchfoot and Relying K and all those bands have always felt about these things. Like the, the, the faithful are not infallible by their nature. Like you should understand that that's the truth. It's the Christians who have made a mess of love and they made more of a mess of it today than they did in 2004 when this song came out. So like Relying K re-recording this song is kind of a perfect timing in a lot of ways. Song meanings. Song meanings. So, up first, we have Pyro Penguin, awesome name, on April 28th, 2005, said, I think this song means that the youth of today is ammunition for, I almost said ammunition, (laughs) ammunition for the arguments of people of authority. I mean, when do we, when we do something bad, weapons in schools, drug usage, statistics, etc., etc., it just gives those who want to censor us and control us more ammunition legally. They have a reason to enforce stupid zero tolerance laws and allow metal detector checkpoints in schools and things like that just because they have the statistics to prove that we need them. I think what he's saying here is that we can either blame it on other forces or we can take on the responsibility of not doing the stupid shit that gives these people power. After all, that's what most of them really want. Just my opinion. Take it if you like it. The song is definitely a Rorschach test. Like more than yeah. most, more than a lot of Reliant K songs we talk about. Like depending on your feeling. Just like, you know, reading context into communication. Like when you read a text, your mood might cause you to read that text differently than the sender meant it. I think this song has a lot of truth in it but it's going to speak to the truth within the listener like this is one of the this is more 
of a death of the author song that I think I've ever ex- seen with Reliant K. Hmm. Maybe we should do a podcast yeah, about right. this band. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Schnazzy Squeaker on December 28th, 2004 said, This is an awesome song and John Foreman is hot. That and Faith makes the band. God rocks. Pieces X of XU. Uh, amazing. Amazing uh, <laughs> name. I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> on January 28th, 2006 said, uh, um, I'm going to piggyback off of Pyro. This song is saying, stop blaming the government, stop blaming the minorities, your past, and so on and so on. But really, if we want to see change, it's up to us. We are the powder keg uh, to canon. Like Gandhi said, you must be the change you want to see in the world. Also, I think it's sort of politely condemning what our society is like today and how corrupt it is. Look what a mess we've made of love. We've got ourselves to blame. Look what a bomb we made of love. Uh, it, when he said, "When he said, uh, look what a bomb we've made of love.' Now I, I didn't pay attention to this song my entire life. I didn't know the words before. It kind of sounds like he's like saying, well, look what a bum we've made of love.' <laughs> I also heard that, but I'm like, he definitely didn't say, "Look what a bum we've made of love." Right. Jaffe on May 23rd, 2006 said, "I agree with Pyro Penguin, but I also feel it is addressed." to all of us, not just the youth. The chorus, we've been blowing up, we're the issue, says that it's not other problems that have been blowing up, not other problems that are the issue, it's humanity that is the issue. We are the ammunition with a short fuse. So long as we keep trying to find other reasons, such as religion, politics, current trends, etc., for the state of the world, and ignore that we are the root of it all, we will remain ammunition for further uh, destruction. The bridge, look what a mess we've made of love, reminds me of the movie The Green Mile. Didn't read the book, by the way, sorry. When John Coffey says he killed them with their love for each other. That's how it is every day all over the world. We abuse love, we corrupt it, we use other people's love as leverage to control them. Uh, The Good Tofu on April 27th, 2007 said, sorry, April 12th, said, I almost agree with Pyro Penguin, but look what a bomb we've made of love seems to make it seem that we've forgotten all about it. That as Christians, our message of love has bombed, not done well as in bombing a test. We've been too wrapped up in the issues to love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This applies to our schools too. So I agree, but that's not what the song is about. It's about the idea of love to heal the world. We're all lost. We've all lost all ties to each other. No real motivation and such a desperate state. I have no generation. Shoo me to my motivation. One word, one world, one desperation, one hope, one salvation. Regalto 2 on August 4th, 2006 said, these are all really good explanations, but the specific idea John had was in regards to AIDS as he explained at a concert oh. of theirs I went to. And hence, look what a mess we've made of love. Hmm. But, well. So, I'm okay. Interesting if true. Okay. Well, it's just like how this, this song has a lot of uh, ways to interpret it. When you first said that, I thought one thing, which was, to me, the better thing. And then when it was over, when you were done reading that sentence, I thought the worst thing. Which, 
I don't think it is. The worst interpretation of that particular song meaning would be like, look what a mess we've made of love. Meaning, there is now this disease that exists that is spread by sex, and it's all our fault because we have promiscuous sex and homosexuals, and that's created AIDS. I don't think that's what John Foreman was saying. I know that a lot of people do have that point of view that somehow, I mean, that was a thing in the 80s when you watched enough documentaries about, you know, the AIDS crisis and the conservative president's uh, non-reaction to it that they said, you know, and televangelists saying that uh, the existence of AIDS was like a direct punishment from God to the homosexuals, which it was not. But that was a viewpoint. I don't think that's what John Foreman's saying. I could think, and this is what I first thought when you read that song meaning, that if this is about the AIDS crisis, it's more like, look what a mess we've made of our reaction to the AIDS crisis. Yeah. Yes. Especially when AIDS starts to ravage Africa in the way that it has. Like, it's one thing when we think of the AIDS crisis and you watch documentaries about it in, like, you know, in the 1970s, no, not the 70s, but the 80s and the 90s in New York and other places in America like that. But then when it starts ravaging its way through uh, Africa, like, that's a whole nother thing. So it's like, we made a mess of it by our non-reaction to it because certain people thought this is just a homosexual disease. Which it was really just a statistical thing of, for a while, why only homosexuals were getting it. But eventually, everyone's, you know, heterosexuals could start spreading it as well. And we didn't react with love and understanding to people who were suffering and uh, help them out in their time of need or take the right precautions to prevent this. And then it spreads to another side of the world and we don't care about it. It's happening over there because it's happening over there. And those aren't people that we understand their culture and don't think about them and don't care. So that's the mess we would have made of love through the failure of the AIDS crisis. I just made a big shrug. Like, I guess, I guess if that's what he said, that's, I think that that's what he meant. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of other song meanings uh, as well out there if you're interested to go look into those. But for that, I think we're going to wrap that up. Wrap up this portion of the deep dive. What do you have for wrap us, Wrap it up. I'll take it. <laughs> Speaking of when two become one and... Oh, yeah. Put it on. Put it on. Wear a condom. <laughs> so two become one, the, the uh, Spice Girl song. Jessica kind of on some level probably knew it was kind of about sex but it was really just like about love but it was kind of a sexy song but there's i was in elementary school when i saw them like and when they were popular and i saw them live as a child i of course i didn't know what that song was about but there is a line that baby spice says where she's like (laughs) be a little bit wiser (laughs) put it on put it on i'm like when we and then jessica and i were like either dating or married and we're playing that song i'm like you know that line's about condoms right and she's like oh Oh, we're rocking i just wanted that because i quoted wrap it up i'll take it which is in a lot of commercials the fabulous thunderbirds 
I've just never really heard the song. What are you, a white privileged <laughs> dude in the 90s? My goodness. Well, it's like a country blues song or something. I don't, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what, <laughs> talk about generations. Uh, boomer, ge- boomer men love it. Jessica and I love watch enough blues. like 80s, 90s, and 70s things that we realize like boomer men, especially like boomer celebrities, love the blues. They love the blues. It really, we really all it clicked for us when we started watching Baywatch because we were like, because you know, there's so much 90s culture in Baywatch. It's like, man, they love the like white dudes in Los Angeles in the 80s and 90s. They love the blues. They thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Yep. Especially if it's like tickets are $200 and you're wearing your nicest suit and the only person who's not white is up on the stage. So anyway, let's see what we have here for content because we do have a bunch of stuff. Oh, did you find the Grammy article? I did not. I'm glad I grabbed this. So in the lead up in all of the... Um, press for the beautiful letdown our version the grammy grammy.com released an article how switchfoot reimagined the beautiful letdown with ryan tedder owl city ingrid address and more detail their covers for their deluxe edition so we'll just focus on what's important here and go to the quote from relying k because it's a whole article about you know so pop super producer John Bellion is the man behind... Wait. This is a different article. <laughs> I scrolled too far and I didn't click the read more. And I started reading a different article. <laughs> the way some websites do. You click one article and there's a second article at the bottom. So, uh, <laughs> so here's a quote from Matt Thiessen. Uh, Switchfoot request, requested that we cover ammunition specifically. However... Hoops and I were talking about it in the car the other day, and we said we would have picked it over any other number from The Beautiful Letdown. I always loved the energy of the song. It has a tinge of pop-punk flavor that especially appealed to me at the time the album was released. Um, that's Reliant K's specific quote. But then uh, Switchfoot had some quotes about why they did this. And and I think a lot of this is, might be in a press release that came out for the release of Beautiful Letdown, our version. And actually, um, I forgot there's also a Jesus Freak hideout article, which is really the one that I want to read. The Beautiful Letdown, our version, uh, the, about the project, the band says, and this is on Jesus Freak May 3rd. 2023 also it was announced a while ago i didn't realize it was announced all the way back in may time flies uh this album was has meant the world to us for 20 years as our way of honoring the journey we've been on together we re-recorded the album in its entirety it's our way of saying thanks thanks for singing these songs for 20 years while the music is available on that's not the quote i wanted to read I could have sworn it was either in the Grammy article or the Jesus Freak Hideout article, but it's a quote about why they recorded it. It, They wanted to honor the legacy, but they didn't specifically say we did this because our record label wasn't being cool. But they said something kind of like that. Whatever. I'm not as good at pulling text articles as you are, apparently, but somehow I came across these ones. Anyway, I'm better at pulling videos and uh, covers and stuff. (laughs) At least I think I am. 
Um, oh, I agree. And I think that you might actually be better at the deep dive as well, since you came across this article and I did not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I somehow came across it because I, I start in Google and I look at a couple things for like SoundCloud and stuff in there. But I saw, oh, Grammy article, just in case Jessica didn't get this. That looks pretty significant. Like, how many Reliant K articles are there on Grammy.com? Right. That's why I'm like, how did this not come up? Because I did multiple deep dive, like, keyword deep dives for this. And clearly I was not thorough enough. So you mentioned before, earlier in the episode, that there's, like, a video of Reliant K possibly, you know, talk about how they love Switchfoot. I swear I've seen that video as well. That's where I think they pulled the quote from. Um, Two articles back. Right. Because the, the, the I've Grammy heard article. that before. The Grammy article. Because I've heard them saying that before. I couldn't find that video. Did You didn't find that video, did you? No. Okay. <laughs> it might have been a story or it might have been oh, in it. No. It might have been a smaller piece in a bigger video that I didn't go watching all of the promotional stuff for the Beautiful Letdown Deluxe Edition, right? It's in there somewhere. There's separated videos of just the 21 pilots guy and just the Jonas brothers talk about how much they love switchfoot. I couldn't find a separated video of just Reliant K talk about how much they love switchfoot. Although I swear even before this year with the beautiful letdown 20th anniversary, I swear I've seen multiple videos of Reliant K saying we love switchfoot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I kind of sure. have similar content later. Yeah. Because do you know what did come up in my deep dive is the little like skit thing that they did before the right. searching for America tour. Yeah. Like where they like, love switchfoot. I'm not going to, we've seen, we've talked about that on the podcast before, but I have something, an offshoot of that, that's a little bit more unique that we definitely have never talked about. But here instead, we'll play, this is a Instagram reel from September 20th. And this is, it says it's Tyson. Oh yeah, still playing, but no pick. Still not picking it up. <laughs> um, here's, this is, Reliant K posted this to their Instagram Here's Matt Thiessen playing some guitar on the build section. They call it the build section. I call it the slow pretty part. That we added. Oh, did they add it? See, now, I don't have this original song ammunition in my head enough to notice. It's the build, the slow pretty part, that they added to their cover. That doesn't exist in the Switchfoot version. Pretty sure, uh, back to the quote underneath here, for our cover of Switchfoot's ammunition. Pretty sure there is an open string alt tuning going on here. Also, remember how he's always played without a pick, using only his thumb like this? It has a unique feel, almost like a slight envelope filter, if you say so. (laughs) The only effect in the signal chain is a boss limiter. (laughs) I'm laughing because I don't understand any of this. I know what signal (laughs) chain means, but I don't know what boss limiter means. This is one of my favorite parts of the song. What you think? And that must be who that's hoops typing there. So let's play this part from the studio of Tyson playing the build slow pretty part of their cover of ammunition. Nice. <laughs> Nice. A lot of cowbell in there. <laughs> no, I, that's the, I would, I think that that's the, the um, metronome. 
Yeah, it's not called a metronome, but it's 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 the beat keeper. There's a thing. There's a thing. Oh man, I learned this. Welcome I to know our this music word. Podcast. No, I know this. I know this because uh, yeah, like drummers use it a lot. They just have it in their head so they don't lose time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, whatever. <laughs> Welcome to our music podcast. You're right. So um, let's see what else. There's that on Instagram. There's that on Instagram. And then, um, yeah, oh, this was, so on Switchfoot's YouTube page, they have, there isn't a lot of stuff I found, you know, on YouTube. The song's too new. Nobody's done stuff specifically. Just like any other case for karaoke thing, we're not going to find a lot of content, video content, fan content about the Reliant K version. But there's enough about the original Switchfoot version that that's what I focused on. Now, did you come across the drum cover of the Reliant K version? Mm-hmm. Okay. There's drum covers. There's tons of guitar covers, tons of drum covers of the original 2004 version of the song as well. But I don't bring that stuff. You know, it's drum covers, guitar covers, play-along covers. Yeah. But uh, what I did find is that this video, this song... Whoa, that is very loud. This song is a live version of this is on Switchfoot's official YouTube page. Nice. Uh, I guess also like however Vivo works or how it still works. You remember Vivo? Mm-hmm. Vivo was the music video website. You actually went to Vivo.com to watch you to watch music videos. And then YouTube took over the video world, and you know a lot Vivo, of them still had the Vivo watermark on them that's when they the came weird, over to YouTube. That's the weird part: is Vivo used to have their own proprietary server for their music videos, and then they started migrating everything over to YouTube. Well, then it would get weird, where you know there's things that happen um, out there where a video is blocked because the record label would have the rights to it set wrong. A lot of record labels nowadays have figured that stuff out and they don't penalize uploaders, but it would happen all the time. Like MXPX's video for Chick Magnet was missing from YouTube for a decade because whatever record label owns the rights to that, not Tooth and Nail, I mean, whatever corporation owns the rights to Tooth and Nail's catalog, Capital, I think, they just had the YouTube rights to chick magnet set wrong so anyone who uploaded chick magnet it was instantly blocked including by mxpx themselves so if you wanted to watch these kind of videos you had to go over to vivo's proprietary website to watch them well then once vivo starts migrating all their stuff to youtube and just putting their own youtube links on their vivo website those videos are now blocked it defeated the whole purpose of vivo even existing why do other bands and artists need Vivo anymore? They can run their own YouTube channels or record labels and record companies can have their... Actually, I used to work right next to Vivo <laughs> down in Playa, Playa Vista. Like Vivo's oh, headquarters funny. are right there. I'm like, what What purpose do they serve now that YouTube exists? Like, why do you need to go to Vivo's... So anyway, you still see all these music videos uploaded by Arvis artists that still have the Vivo watermark in the bottom and I don't know what it means anymore. I don't think it means anything. Well, this performance by switchfoot of this song ammunition was an official live video performance captured by vivo which makes it even like more official and i guess it's what they opened the show with 2004 columbia records 
Yeah, Columbia. That's right, because I always mix up Columbia and Capital. I got confused. I'm like, no, Columbia is what Relying K is on. No, Danny. So here is an official Switchfoot performing this song live on their YouTube channel, like professionally shot multicam. I got an extra. I got an extra, extra funky version coming up later. By oh the way, boy. by a cover. Yeah, this is kind of their more punky song. You know, and the funny thing is, Switchfoot, especially here in 2004, their appearance doesn't look any different from other pop punk bands right, at the time. Yeah. Even though Switchfoot is not a pop punk band. Right? Especially that... Oh, by the way... John Foreman's hair threw me when I saw him. <laughs> I looked over. I it's, like, he has fun? very, quote-unquote, emo hair. Yeah. Which I don't like to they adhere to do. the modern concept of emo, but... Um, I've just mesmerized a little bit. So, by the way, that thing that I could never quite name, I want to run this by you. I've called it Sunset Boulevard Punk. Mm -hmm. It's that kind of mid-2000s offshoot of pop punk, which was more radio-friendly. But the appearance of the men, because it's almost always men, in the bands wasn't meant to be pop punk. Like, they weren't pretending to be skate punk fans. Mm -hmm. Like, they... And mainly I'm talking about... All-American Rejects, American Hi-Fi, Sugar Cult, SR-71. These types of bands where they really, like, could technically just be playing, like, mid-2000s MTV rock. Not necessarily a faster pop-punk style. I've called it Sunset Boulevard Punk because they look like Sunset Boulevard guys from the mid-2000s. What do you think of this? Macy's Punk. (laughs) Sure, yeah. I think Macy's Punk is possibly a better label. (laughs) Okay. Because I've struggled for years to come up with a name for this particular type of mid-2000s pop punk. I think that's that's what I'm going to call it from now on. Macy's Punk. Because the guys, the guys in these bands, they're dressed very nice, but with just a little bit. Just a little bit on the edge. Right, yes. But they're always, especially like when, I can't remember which band it was. But I was, I think it was Sugar Cult or somebody. I was like watching a music video and they had like just a nice button up shirt, but it was just a little edgy. And I'm like, (laughs) that's the kind of stuff you can still get in the men's section of Macy's today of like the nice night out section. Hilarious. (laughs) So anyway, this live version is lots of fun. This is my favorite Switchfoot song. It's a great chorus too. It's it's like a, one of those really simple driving. Yeah. Like it's real. It's just one word belted out in, in a couple notes. It's great. Um, there's a badly spleared version uploaded, so it's the original studio version from 2004. 
digitally splittered out and then called the karaoke version, but it sounds sure, of like sure. an abomination. <laughs> And this YouTube is uploaded by Dennis Carmelina. And they actually have the, the lyrics on the screen. Like, you would ever bother to really sing to this version of the song. <laughs> right. Well, maybe. Well, you can kind of hear him in the background. Um, oh, and do you remember those fake lyric videos we used to find all the time yes what was her name uh oh my gosh yes uh. <laughs> i can't remember her name anymore because she disappeared so yeah <laughs> we've got one of those here yes we got you remember this was one of the songs that used to happen all the time. It's like Sydney Blanchard or something like that. Yeah, it was something like that. And then, but Jimmy World, Jimmy Pod also had their own right. weird YouTube channel that uploaded stock music. It was Signy something, right? Signy Blanchard or Signy Blanford. It was something like that. And Jimmy World had their own Signy Blanford YouTube channel for its weird botness had been deleted at some point by YouTube for like. <laughs> For, you know, community guidelines broken. Right. But they never, but the one that uploaded all the Jimmy Eat World songs, not actually the songs, but pretended they were lyric videos for Jimmy Eat World songs, and you listen to Pond 5 stock music like this, Jimmy Eat World's never got deleted. Jimmy Eat Pods never got deleted. Well, it's technically Jimmy Eat World's and Jimmy Eat Pods. All right, let's really get down to brass tacks here. Okay, here, let's do it. Here is, um, oh, here's the special thing. <laughs> That I found. No, this is that we're getting around to brass tacks now. This is cool. This is interesting. This is uploaded eight, uh, 16 years ago by the YouTube channel Uma28T. And I say all that because this won't be an easy video for you to necessarily find. You can't just type in Switchfoot and Reliant K Tour because that's going to come up with all the more recent stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, we've never talked about and it's not officially on our list, but there is a song by Switchfoot called Rebuild. Which is which is advertised as Switchfoot, Reliant K, and now Ruth. that that did come up a bunch. Yeah, in my deep dive a lot this when week. When Reliant K and Switchfoot did this tour around 2008, they played that song almost every night, and it was a special song that they did together at the time. Um, I don't think they did it on the Searching for America tour, so it was like very much a thing at the time, and it comes up in lists of rare Reliant K songs, but. I never considered it a Reliant K song. I considered it a Switchfoot song. So I never put it on our list. Maybe we will do it as we start running out of material. That tour was announced with this video. I don't understand if this was saved by this fan and uploaded again later or around the same time. And I don't know where this was originally played because it says, and now a word from our sponsor. And then it's going to cut to the video of Reliant K and Switchfoot saying, we are going, you know, we are going on tour together. Wherever this video came from, whatever its exact origins, I don't understand. But here is the video. It's a little different than the one from 2016 where they're on the phone, shot beautifully HD, widescreen. Right. This is much, much more compressed looking. Hello, my name is John Corby, and I'm Matt Thiessen. This 
fall. Switch foot and Reliant K will be on tour together. It's going to be off the hizzle. Fantastic! Crumbelievable. <laughs> Sweet. That bombastic, level fantastic. The jam. Radical. Ridiculous. Special. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> See you this fall. Good. All right. Fun stuff. And I this love is background glasses. <laughs> so it's all the members of Switchfoot and Reliant K at the time standing on a uh, particle board wall, <laughs> like it's those Levi's commercials from the '90s. Did you ever hear about that controversy? I'm an old man, by the way. Just remember I th- that. I think you showed me those. I showed like, them to you at a the year time. ago, or and something. it might have been Lee- at the time. <laughs> it, at the t- I showed them to you at the time when you were four. <laughs> there were these infamous commercials, and they were actually inspired by amateur pornography <laughs> but they were television commercials on regular television it was for levi com- I, lee or levi jeans you i think you might have even talked about this on the podcast like a year or two ago and that was why you ended up showing okay them. and it's like young models male and female in different different versions of the commercial talking to someone interviewing them and it's not literally porn but it was deliberately meant to invoke the idea of this is like a casting couch porn uh, pashish, but they're going to talk about how they love being models and why they love their Levi jeans. And it was supposed to be kind of uncomfortable and sexy on purpose in this weird 90s, like heroin chic way, like the heroin chic way of like, right. it's fashion, but it's also dangerous and drug fueled and it's artsy dirty. and it's dirty and all that stuff. This kind of looks like Relying K and Switchfoot <laughs> in that same set. <laughs> and then it cuts back and forth word by word between John and Matt giving the main part of the script of, hey, we're going on tour. And then it starts cutting to all the other members. And it was Schneck you heard going, double boom, bestic. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to have to give uh, John Schneck a heads up. Like, uh, I'll be posting this on our social media soon. How do you feel about that? Shaggy was uh, very popular back in the day. I think that's who does that song. If you told Shaggy he was popular, he'd be like, it wasn't me. I wasn't popular. It wasn't me. It's Get good it? stuff, Dan. I it's, do. It's good stuff. That's real good stuff. Yep. So. You're a dad now. I have to expect more of that. <laughs> I've been practicing my dad jokes since I was 14 years old. Thank you very much. Uh, probably since I was eight, <laughs> to be honest. So lots of AMVs, Fooly Cooly, Kingdom Hearts, Naruto, Inuyasha, and then a live action AMV style video to the X-Men movies, to the Patrick Stewart X-Men movies. Nice. I don't know. I just picked Patrick Stewart because he's the one on the um, on the Max Res default, not uh, Hugh Jackman. Um, and then, you know, I, I won't play it right Well, I, it's the song is the song. I won't show the, you the footage. But if you want to go look at it, it's called. It's. I'll just mention it. it. This is the video that someone made, like about all of like the political unrest uh, stuff that was going on. This video is uploaded in 2006. This song is a dark song in many ways, but I believe it has a message that should not be ignored. I didn't make this as an anti-war video, nor should it be taken as such. 
I am simply trying to show the devastation that humanity causes, the horrible things we have done to each other, the way that sin has crippled our world. Switchfoot is a Christian band. I make this a Christian video. That's why the so that's what the song is intended to be. And it's just a lot of like news footage and stuff from the Middle East and things that you might definitely question, uh, you know, what their feelings are on some stuff. Like footage of 9-11, footage of recovery and different things. And oh, actual footage of uh, one of the towers. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, it, it exists out there. I don't feel like naming them. I'm not trying to also like, not dox them, but I'm not trying to cancel them. I'm just saying it's a weird video and I... I get it, especially if you have that early 2000s anxiety about all the things that were happening politically, war, the, you know, Iraq, Iran, and all those things. And those things have never stopped. And those things have existed for every generation ever. But if it was new to you, the new 24-hour news cycle, and that builds on your anxiety, and this song somehow speaks in a cathartic way to that anxiety, it makes a lot of sense. But it's just an interesting point of view, especially to to just see that it was something I've never seen with a Reliant K song. I've never seen someone's kind of like cathartic output of editing together a bunch of like world tragedies from the mid early 2000s set to, uh, I am lion. Oh, <laughs> Danny, what's your favorite war song? This song or Holy Wars by Megadeth? Uh, I guess Holy Wars by Megadeth. <laughs> That song's less about war and more about uh, one of the few times where Mustaine admitted he's a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those few uh, Mustaine pointing the finger inward and saying fools like me. Um, so uh, anyway, okay, now we're getting down to brass tacks. Time for the covers, and they are all amazing in their own ways. This one looks fantastic. This is from October 23rd, 2007. This is a low res, you know, 420p video. You can, the, everyone is just pixels. How cursed is it? It's a little cursed, but it's kind of aesthetically awesome in a 2000s way. Okay. Because they're in a very dark, uh, at least the camera is picking it up as a very dark performance space. And this is the band OHC playing Ammunition by Switchfoot at the basement. Now, the basement, and in this context, I can't tell. This could be like a youth group called The Basement. Or this could be like a youth group-related coffee house called The Basement. Or honestly, this could be like... Someone's all, basement. This could be someone's basement. But this could be like an all-ages venue where like young bands come to just like play stuff. Because I used to go to things like that. It didn't come up in our pop punk that made me playlist, but I used hmm. to go to, there was a couple of different all ages and usually they were like art spaces. Like during the day, kids would go there to like paint and stuff. But then in the evening, bands of all kinds of any denominate, you know, non-denominate of any, any kind of band right. of young kids, non-religious, religious, everyone would come together. And I think that also partially is what molded my view between supposed secular and christian music is that a lot of the local bands they all played together like the christian bands played with the non-christian bands gotcha. and that's the way that a lot of christian bands came up like sure the insiders 
didn't have other Christian Christian ska bands to play with in Detroit right. in the 90s. So they were playing with every other kind of ska band and they were playing with every other kind of band. They had to play all of those uh, youth groups where they just didn't care. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I can't tell if this is a faith-based venue or not, but it is a dark basement with some cool lights it could be like a non-profit art space it could be a church basement with a youth group setting they sound amazing in a slightly ironic but uh you just got to understand what i think is amazing so check out ocah ohc i'm gonna make the lead up to this me playing this as long as possible here they are Okay, no, these guys are awesome. There's a couple of teen bands I have in my list here, and I couldn't remember one from the other. These guys guys just flat out are really good. Like, these guys are well-practiced. They know their instruments. They sound really good. Love it. So this is OCH Ammunition Switchfoot on YouTube. YouTube channel Miko Ala 207. M-I-K-O-A-L-A 2007. Uh, Here is... Okay, this is the one who are a little loose. Not as good, but I still love it because they're trying so hard. This is Chemical... Imb, weird, odd name, Chemical IMB is the name of this band. And this one is in a gym. This one is literally in a gym. And it's only from nine years ago. uh, 44 views. I think this is like, actually also to give them a little bit more credit here i think this is like a loose like practice rehearsal setup that they just happen to be filming because you hear a lot of people chattering in the background he just came up and like (laughs) tap 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 the microphone was like hey hey
I love this singer's voice. <laughs> yeah, that is good. He actually sounds... I think... Is he going through a little bit of a filter? It sounds like yeah, it. Yeah, and he sounds very John Foreman-ish. It's good stuff. He's... As far as I can tell in the compression of the video, he sounds... the He's hitting the notes the way John Foreman hits them. Yeah. with the lyrics there. <laughs> we're ammunition and we're ammunition. Guess how many of us are ammunition. No, these guys are great too. Plastic bag, plastic bag, plastic bag, plastic bag. This is fantastic. Okay, I, I, you know, things hit me a little differently when I'm uh, recording, when, when I'm watching YouTube videos on my lunch break at work. <laughs> but these guys are great. It was, a, it was a little bit of a rough start. Maybe I focused too much on the rough start. But again, these guys are really good too. Um, now this one, you said there was a little bit of a funk added to some version we watched earlier. Here is... The live performance of... The, right. Of band. the official live version. Here, from 16 years ago. Um, live at Olone. Live at Olone. O-H-L-O-N-E. Cover song by the Jazz Rock Combo Class of Olone College, Fremont, California. Fall 2006, final performance. Oh, nice. I'm excited. So this is like a music school class performing this song, switching it up. The only really transformative cover I found of Ammunition by Switchfoot. Also, like, 25 people in the band. <laughs> they have three female well, singers sure, you know. and then, like, five or six instrumentists. <laughs> In instrumentalists. it's two male singers and one female singer and they're all gonna they do it like a little they're gonna do it like a little choral society to a full rock band
So they're writing in this pocket that's not exactly the song. I was really hoping that they were going to really like beef jazz up that, it up. Jazz it up, like beef up that bass. Like they were kind of getting in that bass groove in the live, but no. Obviously, I don't know anything about music, but it seems to me like, and we've seen this happen occasionally with amateur bands where different members of the band think they're in different bands. Yes. <laughs> we've definitely seen the guy who wants to be in a heavy metal band singing with the rest of the band that wants to be in a pop rock band. And they're all playing a Reliant K song and he is like giving it his biggest metal, not growl, but his biggest metal bravado. And it's yeah. like, you guys are in different bands. It's not quite as bad here, but I feel like the drummer... <laughs> And the keyboardist and the singers are definitely in a jazz combo. And the guitarist and the bassist, the guitarist and the bassist are in a rock band. Yeah. I think that's what's going on here. And I think we're, they're going to have to grade this class on a curve because everyone's playing a slightly different vibe here. <laughs> And what is this shirt the like lead singer guy is wearing? Why does it look like a like a smoking? There's three singers. (laughs) He's got like a I don't know what it's like. It's he definitely looks like Richard Cheese or something. (laughs) Like it's like a silk bowling shirt. Like what is he wearing? He's trying to dress like uh, the 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 male lead of um, Walk to Remember going on their date. He didn't wear anything that That's loud. how old the episode is, because uh, we're almost there in this three-hour episode. But we'll talk about me watching Watch Remember for the first time. So, um, yeah, I can't emphasize. There's three singers for some reason. It makes sense if you're a jazz combo. Also, she's doing that mm-hmm. type of thing that I've never really cared for when it comes to female. I mean, I don't know. I guess that kind of singing has a place in certain types of music, but not in rock music. There's a ska band that I would otherwise... I was going to say, she sounds like she should be more, like, in a ska band. Well, that's the thing, is, like, a lot of female-led ska bands have this kind of singing, and I've I've never... Like, the band Meal Ticket, she has that kind of voice. Um, uh, Save Ferris, she does that once in a while. I was going to say, yeah. But she doesn't do it as much on everything. Uh, That type of female singing, it must have its place in some type of music, but it doesn't have its place for me in punk. In rock. Oh, there's a kick-ass guitar solo. (laughs) Reliant K added a little to their cover, but so did the Ohone College Jazz combo. Outstanding. Well, those are the covers. And then we have W. Paul Pulsifer's piano cover, which we can kind of have play us in the background, although he's going to sing, I think, as well. Or maybe he doesn't sing. Anyway, we'll get ready to wrap up. But I do want to talk about when we watched A Walk to Remember. Okay. So Jessica knows this story. So yeah. when <laughs> Jessica and I... there. I lived it. Yeah. When <laughs> Jessica and I first started dating, she created... A, it was such a romantic, sweet idea. She created a list of movies that she wanted to make sure she shared with me in our relationship. Such a beautiful, sweet idea. We did a couple of movies on those lists and I just tore them to shreds. I'm such an asshole. 
Really are. But to be fair, they weren't like Criterion artistic movies. They were like mainstream. Heaven forbid. Well, no, because you like that kind of stuff. But that's not the, you wanted to share with me, like things the romantic movies, like things you had seen before. Things I liked. Like I think like was the boss's my boss's daughter was on there. I it think. was not. <laughs> no, there was some other I've Ashton Kutcher movie. That. There was some other Ashton Kutcher movie that just was married. Probably. Just married. Oh no 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 no! It was um oh my gosh because you hate hater the one with uh, uh a lot like love a lot like love was on there. Oh Amanda Peet. Amanda Peet. Never been a big fan of Amanda yeah. Peet. Um, she hasn't really been around a lot. She's the, the second X Files movie that no one saw. She does stuff maybe. Okay, now. maybe she's in a lot of television streaming like everyone is now. Oh, and I'm thinking about Parker Posey. I get those two confused. Um, so she put together a list of movies for us to watch, and we, on, I think also we, we, the first ones we watched on your list were the worst movies on your list. Incidentally, so I made fun of those Rude. ones, and you were like. There were some movies you were like, I can't watch this movie with you anymore. Like the ones we hadn't watched. Because you're like, you're going to ruin it. And I love this movie so much. And one of them was A Walk to Remember. We didn't watch that in that first go-round of movies. And we've been married for a couple years. And I was like, I want to watch A Walk to Remember with you. Oh, no, not a couple years. We were married for like almost a decade. Oh, right, because it was here in Los Angeles. Okay. Before you finally So we were, no, it wasn't a decade. It was five years. At that point, we'd been married for five years. And we were sitting here. We we just. It was like six or seven. Okay, but we moved here to Los Angeles. We were married in 2010. We moved here in 2014. So. It was a few years after that. So uh, we were here. And I'm like, Jesse, I want to watch A Walk to Remember with you. For some reason, it finally came out. Maybe because of the Switchfoot stuff. And I was, like, finally curious to see what part did Switchfoot play in the movie. What song? What part did their songs play? And I was like, Jesse, I promise you, I will not make jokes at this movie. And I didn't. I learned to try to... <laughs> I learned in those ways to be a better husband. I still have learning to do about being a better well, husband. Well, that was, that was after. We watched it after our last podcast where I was like, now I'm really never watching my favorite movies that you've never seen with you. That's right. Because you're totally going to ruin them. And it was, def- <laughs> it was definitely after that, after that show. Our original pod, which you could hear about in our Lost Boy episode, our original podcast about the Sci-Fi Channel show, Lost Girl. That's what our original podcast was about. I tore that show apart and she realized she hated it too. <laughs> We didn't. I didn't make you learn to hate Reliant K. Anyway, after that, I had to. <laughs> I had to really promise you, I will not make any jokes at a walk to remember if we watch this together. And you were like, okay, all right. And we watched it. Oh, I guess we're done because the song's over now. We watched it. I did not make any jokes. I said I'm going to approach this sincerely, and I did. And I enjoyed the movie. And I was actually like. When I throw away Cynical Danny and I just enjoy this as a little story and also as a time capsule, I remember this time when this movie came out, even though I never saw the movie myself, I remember the marketing, I remember Mandy Moore at this time, totally get it, This I'm having a great time, and then they go on their first date, and he wears that fucking outfit, and I'm like, what is this kid wearing? He looks like Tony Soprano, but... like what are you wearing he's wearing like a clean white undershirt or look like a clean white t-shirt and then over it he has not a bowling shirt but a silk shirt that's just a little too big for him i'm like what the hell are you wearing and i started making jokes about that and it's like a yellowy cream color yes but jessica did enjoy those jokes and i had a good time making fun of those (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I was. I think I was the one who was actually pointing out more of the faults of the film watching it later. I saw that movie three times in the theater. I loved it so much. Like, <laughs> and then, okay, big spoilers if you've never seen this movie because this and and this is what I'll end on. And then I guess you just gotta skip ahead a few seconds if you've never seen a Walk to Remember. I had seen parts of it on cable. I knew the general sense of it. She's a Christian girl in the school. She has some sort of debilitating disease and he's a little mean to her to be popular, but then they kind of become friends and then he learns he's been too mean and they fall in love. Cool. That's about as much as I knew about it. Here's the spoiler. This part never got sent to me through the zeitgeist. They get married. You're such a dick. I would. No, 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 no. I didn't make fun of this part. I was just, no, 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 no. I was not, I did not make fun of this part. I was just shocked that that's where the movie went. You did make fun of it. You laughed. I was surprised. I was so surprised. And it's I told, beautiful, but it is beautiful. She had a list of all the things she wanted to do before she passed away. I compl- and one no. of them was get married and, in the church where her parents were married. And when I look, when I sat back and looked at it, I'm like, this is the only thing they could do. Right. Because they, she wants to get they like th- this movie. They're not going to have them not be together by the end of the movie, but she's not going to like, by the nature of it, she's not going to live for them long enough for them to like, get married and she's not going to have sex out of wedlock because it's a Christian movie. I'm not kidding. This was the decision that was made. <laughs> right. I have read both the book and seen the movie and none of it mentions like, Oh, we want to get married just so we can bang Danny. No, that's not what I mean. It's not like, se- it's not like people in Bible school. It's like, I got it. Or Leanne in King, King of the Hill after she gets re-virginized. It's like, I just got to get married so I can have sex when Owen Wilson plays her boyfriend in that episode. I don't mean it that way. I mean, like, it's a romance movie. You want to see them be together. And because it has, like, entwined Christian themes, but it's not really an evangelical movie. It is like a mainstream movie. It's written by Nicholas Sparks. But it takes that side of faith, like, earnestly. And it takes it sincerely. And it doesn't, like, mock it, nor does it push... It's not. It doesn't exist as a movie to make you think, oh, I want to be Christian and I want to be a virgin until marriage as well that's not the point of it but it just takes her belief as a character sincerely and it's like she's not gonna be with him before she dies unless they get married so i'm like logically i guess this is the only way it can go but i had no idea it is shocking it it is more sincere but it's just as shocking well you know in like twilight like they get married they get married so they can have sex but that's a much more in your should we delete all this no, it's fine. <laughs> I can't be the only one who... Okay, I want to know, for real, our, and it's only our, our, our steadfast, true listeners listening to the end of this episode right now, <laughs> the people who know us the best. If you've seen A Walk to Remember, how did you feel when they got married? Were you surprised? Were you shocked? I wasn't... It's beautiful and heartwarming. It is And you're like, in tears or on the verge of tears by the time you get there. And then he's like, and we had a summer together. And then you just like That's really bawling. beautiful. And especially... that I completely understand. I, it, is a, it is very beautiful. But it was just really, really surprising to know that's where the story went. And then I understood its meaning. And I was like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. But I just want to know, was anyone else out there like really surprised? How did you feel when they got married at the end of that movie? Those of you listening who didn't want to have it spoiled, 
if you didn't have it spoiled, make sure to go watch the movie and let us know. Now, how do you think the Switchfoot song's been in there? Uh, so do we, do we do, do we like this song more or less? Or oh, yeah, I guess so. Or, we have to do it for all of them. We have to do it for both versions. I like both versions more because I've I never heard either before. <laughs> Did you say you definitely don't? No, I definitely do. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Like both versions more. Remember the Walk to Remember musical we found on YouTube in some past episode? Oh, yeah. It was a, oh, yeah. someone wrote a stage musical for That's a walk to remember. I done in high school. It was definitely, I don't think it was official. It was a fan production and they didn't do full costume. They didn't do full stage. They just, you know, all stood at their podiums and sang and rehearsed the part. But uh, yeah, they used some Reliant K songs. They used some Switchfoot songs. I would like to see the stage musical of uh, Walk to Remember out there on Broadway. Maybe Switchfoot from the Goodwill for this uh, beautiful letdown re-release. You know, especially since big names like One Republic and 21 Pilots have been involved. Maybe they can get that. Uh, have articles Walk been remember. written that this re-release is in fact a beautiful letdown? <laughs> Like how, like how collapsible luck has disaster written all over it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Stay uh, safe and healthy out there. Uh, and thank you so much if you made it through this episode.